Calabria with the ball in. Rafael Leal, that's absolutely sensational. He had fallen over, he had lost his balance. And yet somehow he stuck out a right leg and volleyed it past Rui Patricio. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Serie A Spotlight. This is episode 91 and we're your hosts, Matt and Jake. We're a little bit late with this episode. Apologies, guys. We had a few technical issues yesterday and the day before, but we're here now. And from what it seems, everything is in order. Exactly. Yes. Um, We got a bit too ahead of ourselves with the studio. Tried to record there before the studio was actually finished. Yeah. And the echo was too much, but... Um, we are using a new piece of equipment. We're using a new microphone. Yeah. And that was actually bought thanks to our patrons. So yes. If you are one of our patrons, thank you very much, guys. Um, it was a good amount. What was it? 70? Yeah, know, around, around like yeah, like 75 to 80 euro, I think. Um, these are things that would have to typically come, come out of our pocket. Yeah. Obviously, we work nine to fives like like most people, so um, saving up as well. So every little helps, and thank you guys for contributing to yeah, the this growth. is this is amazing. Um, let us know what you think of the new sound quality. If it's any yes. better, if we sound um, any different, yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. Remember to follow us, guys, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter to keep up to date with our announcements and our fun little snippets from each episode as well. And give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You'll do us a great favor. We've currently got a 4.9 average on Spotify. Let's try bump that up to five stars with, with you guys' help. That, no, that's is a- that even possible? Now that someone hasn't rated it five stars. Yeah, because it's but- enough. I, I guess if, if the... If the average becomes like 4.95 hmm. or 4.96, then they'll to the, to the nearest whole figure. Maybe let's I guess. hope so because it was fun being five star. Hey, hey, <laughs> 4.9 is very good anyway. 4.9 is nuts. I'm, I'm happy with that. Our goal of the week, guys, came from the Portuguese sensation Rafael Leo. Yes. Who looked to be off balance, but somehow while he was falling, managed to bicycle kick the ball into the back of the net, left Rui Patricio completely rooted to the spot. He's finally done it, bro. He's been trying. Yeah, he, exactly, man, exactly. I remember that overhead kick he attempted against Atletico Madrid. Oh. He was offside and it rattled the crossbar. Um, but he has been trying this thing. We we're mentioning it last season that that he's finally one day gonna manage. Yeah. Um, but it, it to me this was no regular overhead kick. It was no regular bicycle kick. The guy was literally falling to the ground and he managed to improvise. He struck out a leg when no one was expecting it. Everyone was rooted to the spot. The way it hit the back of the net as well, that clink that yeah, the... You can hear you know, it in the intro. Oh man, it, it was such a beautiful goal. You were looking was, away at I that I was period. looking away, yes, because Sarah was about to give me her opinion on my new moustache. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you know what? It looks... Oh my God! <laughs> me and Pants just freaking out. <laughs> what the hell did I miss? Shout out to Pants, who we enjoyed the game with as well at, at our home. And next week, we'll be having him over for the Inter game as well. Honorable mention to Luis Alberto, Chiesa, Radonjic and Luvumbo, who was scored fantastic yeah. goals this week there were a few great goals uh, this was a great uh, match day in Serie A I very much enjoyed this match day firstly we got to see you know Napoli Lazio we got to see Roma Milan Inter Fiorentina these top yeah. eight teams going head to head 
Um, so yeah, the, the, this could be considered the first real test for, for a lot of these teams. Our cover art, before we continue, is Thuram, who attempted to do the Lukaku celebration after Lautaro scored, and Lautaro told him, no, no. So we, <laughs> we immortalized that moment in our cover art. Yes, that, that's what we try to do. That yeah. is what we try to do. But I'll give you guys a rundown before we get into the episode. This week, we, we didn't um, try to prompt you guys to join our Patreon, but rather we thought we would use the beautiful success story of, as, of the microphone um, to get you guys on board. Do remember, it's just $3.99 a month to help support our content. You get added to a group chat on WhatsApp. And hey, maybe you'll even join our Fanta Culture League for next year. So lots of fun over there but let's get down to the rundown of exactly what happened last weekend in Serie Ah, so the first match we're going to be covering is Milan's trip to the Stadio Olimpico where they got away with a 2-1 victory although um, got quite scary for Milan fans towards the end of that match Lazio visited Naples and they have proven that they do have La- they do have Napoli's number um, it's Lazio 2 Napoli 1 Inter weren't phased by Fiorentina's red-hot form, some might call it, um, as they got away with a 4-0 victory um, against La Viola. Empoli nil, Juventus 2, Juve back to winning ways. Empoli haven't gathered a single point yet. Atalanta 3, Monza nil, Scamacca got 2 over there in a spectacular performance for the new number 9 in his first start for La Dea as well. Bologna 2, Cagliari 1. Finally, Bologna had a bit of a, an easier fixture, but it, you know, it wasn't easy at all. And it did take a last minute goal in order for them to get that victory. Sassuolo 3, Hellas Verona 1. Sassuolo coming through to show us that Hellas Verona are human. And maybe those first two victories weren't a showcase of class, but maybe something fell in their favor. Um, Torino 1, Genoa 0. Last minute Radonjic goal over there was... Pfft, I have a point to make on that goal that's quite funny, so stay tuned towards the end of this. Lecce 2, Salernitana nil. Lecce looking very, very fucking yeah. impressive, man. Um, really impressive. Hellas might not be... Um, Hellas might be human, but Lecce definitely Lecce. are not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to me, the best game from this uh, match day, Udinese nil, Frosinone nil. Yeah. The best nil, the best all-Italian nil-nil. Since the 2003 Champions League final. <laughs> Quite the statement. I can't wait to discuss bro, that, bro. Wait till the end. Yeah. What a game. The amount of drama, controversy. You might the, want the to way... fast forward to 1 hour 40 right now. Right? <laughs> 1 hour 30. Like. <laughs> but we'll get things started with Roma 1, Milan 2. And I believe that is your game, brother. Indeed it is. Milan absolutely outclassed Roma, but suffer a massive scare at the end of the game after Roma managed the way back into the game despite never really being in it at all mm-hmm. um, all thanks to a Tomori second yellow and um, perhaps that's what seemed to bring Mourinho's men to life yeah. finally we, yeah. it, it's, we saw from that Spurs documentary that we were watching Mourinho telling his team the secret is the second an opponent gets sent off double down attack 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 yeah. attack 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 attack, attack. and the second Tomori got sent off in the 60th I was like Okay, this is going to yeah. happen now. <laughs> you, you literally said it and they attacked immediately. Yeah. <laughs> no team has won more away matches than Milan against Roma and Serie A with 30. Whoa. And Roma have picked up one point from their first three games. The last time they started their first three games of the season without a win was in 2011 and 2012, where they drew two and lost one. 
lineups. So Roma, of course, we're missing quite a few players over here, like Dybala and Pellegrini weren't really fit. Lukaku had just been brought in, so couldn't start. Um, Renato Sanchez had, is new and has some physical issues as well. Yeah. Um, so they were missing quite a few people. In fact, they lined up in a 3-5-2 formation with Rui Patricio and goal. Laurentes, Smalling and Mancini were at the back with Zalewski on the left and Celic on the right. Awar, Paredes and Cristante were in the middle. Bellotti and El Sharawi were the, the duo up front. For Milan, for the third time in a row, it was the 4-2-3-1 formation with Manian in goal, Calabria, Chao, Tomori and Hernandez at the back with Loftus-Cheek and Krinic. Actually, this is more of a 4-3-3, I would say. I, I was going to say, yeah. um, for some reason on this side that we use it saying 4-2-3-1, yeah. but it was evidently a 4-3-3, a 4-3-3 the yes. same uh, as the it previous It shifts matches. during the game. You see, for example, Krinic dropping way deeper than the others and playing yeah. as a six. But of course, with three midfielders basically in Loftus-Cheek, Reinders and Krinic. Um, Pulisic was out on the right, Lea was out on the left, and Giroud was up front. Yeah. Brother, how long have we been asking for continuity at Milan? And finally, 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 um, a starting eleven. Yeah, That's, and and yeah. this is the the point I made um, in in my prediction when I said obviously before the league started that Milan can go all the way and win the league. And you said, look, there are too many new pieces. Yeah. I said I trust in Pioli um, as a manager to get the ones that are most familiarized with the squad and run away with them and start integrating the other one slowly. Um, We've seen a consistent starting 11, which proves my my point correct in that sense. Um, But now I am a bit concerned about how much playing time um, the other signings are going to get because of the late substitution, the late late nature of Pioli's substitutions. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a starting 11 aspect, yes, you're completely right. It's nice to see new faces as well adapt so quickly, you know, having um, Reinders, Loftus-Cheek and Pulisic starting oh, the first man. three. That just um, that just shows that the management were really good in bringing them in early in the preseason. These Definitely. guys adapted and gelled really quickly. Definitely. Man. Having played at Chelsea beforehand as well. Absolutely. So let's get into the play-by-play. Right in the fifth minute, it all kicked off as Loftus-Cheek played a nice one-two with Giroud. He found himself in front of the keeper at an awkward angle and his initial shot was deflected well by a sliding Mancini. Who was quite calm this game, uh-huh. didn't you? Oh, he was very calm. Very calm, game. maybe by his standards. Mm-hmm. The ball bounced awkwardly over both players and the goalkeeper um, and was waiting to be tapped in, basically. Jelic beat Loftus-Cheek to the ball and cleared it, but Rui Patricio had clipped um, Loftus-Cheek yep. with his studs. Impossible to see yeah. at first glance. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice at first. I was like, nah, that's not a penalty. And then the replay showed... It was um, like the, the, the fourth yeah. angle that exactly, the, the, exactly. the broadcasting showed us where even the commentator was like, whoop, there it yeah. is. Evident. Exactly. Like. Clear as day. Um, Giroud stepped up and of course he scores. He never misses. He has a fantastic record when it comes to penalties with Milan and in his career in general, I believe. This is me knocking on wood. Yeah. <laughs> in the 21st minute, Theo Hernandez played a fantastic ball to the far post. Pulisic connected with it well, but um, as in he got it on target, but Rui Patricio made a phenomenal save over there. Um, I can't quite grasp if Rui Patricio is a solid goalkeeper or not. You no, know look, what I mean? Like, when, when, uh, so, so his reflexes are like the reflexes of a guy that has been a trained professional goalkeeper for his entire life. He, yeah. he has those reflexes, but his decision-making and maybe his athleticism isn't yeah. quite on par with, with the other goalkeepers in Serie A, I think. Yeah, and he tends to suffer lapses of concentration. Yeah, but, but this save was, a perf- was such a good reactional save. Like His reflexes there were nuts. Honestly, amazing. 
In the 48th minute, Reinders played the ball to Calabria on the right, who swung in a perfectly weighted cross just behind the falling Leao. Of course, what is to follow is our goal of the week. I'm not quite sure what the terminology used to describe Leao's finish um, would be the official um, Twitter account of Serie A called it an inverse scissor kick. I find um, that quite ridiculous. Yeah, some are calling it lazy layouts, lazy sit-down bicycle kick. <laughs> <laughs> Mocking those, of course, who criticize like um, layouts work ethic. Is, isn't a, an inverted scorpion kick like a ravoshata, a, a, yeah, a bicycle an inver- kick? An inverse scissor kick. An inverse scissor yeah, kick. Not, wow. Not kick, but that, that's an overhead kick if I've yeah. ever seen one. He was just lower to the ground when he did it. Let's call it a falling semi-bicycle kick. Falling semi-bicycle kick. Sure. Let's just to go with really that. Really right? spoon feed yeah. it, like exactly. Or maybe it's gonna get its own term now. Yeah. The layout. Oof. My God, like the Cruyff turn. Yeah. The Basically, layout. he left Patricio rooted to the spot. Yeah. Didn't even dive. Like what a goal that was. Um, Roma didn't do anything in the first half. They did absolutely nothing. Um, Roma were shit. They were they were absolutely terrible. Terribly yeah. set up. Like they didn't counter at all. They were just trying to absorb Milan's pressure. They. It's like they approach the game as the underdog, as yeah, with the up. idea that Milan are the clear favorites and they're too good for them, basically. Mm. Mm. In the 60th minute, Tomori clipped Balotti. These guys were having a very interesting battle all yeah. game. Um, just outside the area, and he was shown his second yellow. Balotti's very smart. He was playing for it. He knows his opponent well. 100%. Tomori's very aggressive, and he always presses his man immediately, and Balotti really took advantage of it mm. over here. Over there, you could see Tomori shouting the, the two fouls, two yeah. yellows, two fouls, two yellows, and he couldn't, he couldn't quite yeah. believe it. I um, thought he was going to get himself into more trouble. Hey, hey, hey. In the 71st minute, Lukaku came on. In the 91st minute, Spinazzola's effort from outside the area took a deflection off of Kalulu and ended up in the back of the net. Roma pressed and pressed and pressed <coughs> and tried and tried. Um, they had a, cor- a call for a corner at the end of the game. Um, but the ball had come off Bellotti as Milan fans breathed a sigh of relief and the yeah. referee blew the final whistle. It's crazy to me how left how late lo- how late Roma left it to um attack this game. Um I mean, yeah, the, the 60th minute. Uh when, when Tomori got sent off is where they saw their opportunity. Um we know how Roma are as a team. They're they're very, very, very opportunistic and, and they won't they, they won't commit to a move if the move doesn't quite guarantee them a goal. They're, yeah. they're, they're very, very opportunistic in that sense. And I think what, what was clear as hell in this game was Milan had Roma's number in the sense that these guys are going to let us have the ball. Now, what mm. concerned me about this fixture coming into it was Milan are now playing a very offensive brand of football where they're constantly... High, doing a high press on on their on their opponents um, and just attacking, attacking, attacking. And I thought, okay, this is where Milan can land themselves in some trouble because Roma are great at absorbing the pressure and then going in mm. on the counter or not going in on the counter and scoring from a corner and getting that one nil victory, yeah. for example. Um, but Milan were incredibly patient and professional in this game. Um, I think the the two goals, well, the, the first one, the ninth minute, Milan have. Been doing great at getting off the mark quite early. Um, and then, obviously, in the 48th, Leao got that second, and that gave Milan what is supposed to be um, the rest of the game, mm-hmm. holding possession and just being cautious. And Milan did that well. 
Um, they were more than happy to play the ball in their own half between the defenders. It, 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 it was a chill game yeah, in yeah, that yeah. sense totally, for Milan. Totally. But then the Tomori red card came and, and that is yes. when the tide completely shifted. Totally. And there were probably opportunities that Milan could have got more goals. Yeah. Um, you look at the first half again, as we mentioned, Roma had 30% ball possession and only one shot on target. So mm. Milan absolutely dominated. There are quite a few things I'd like to talk about. Let's start off with Giroud, bro. He scored four in the opening three Serie A matches mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. Um, the last player to achieve this feat was Andriy Shevchenko in 2001-2002. Yes, uh, it's a shame that Giroud has just got injured. Yeah, he, he, picked up, uh, he picked up an knock in the first 25 minutes of uh, the France match against Ireland and mm. was replaced by Thuram who scored yes. um, a little pre-derby pre W for, for Inter over there um, Giroud in an interview after the game said I'm not worried about the derby mm. um, it was all the, the first thing I did when I woke up is Giroud news <laughs> is Giroud okay is Giroud okay <laughs> but apparently he's still waiting for a medical update but he, he, he looked like he was in distress yes yes um, with, with the ice pack on the ankle. It's always his ankle. Yeah, man. Um, yes, um, he looks absolutely amazing, surrounded by players who understand him. Um, he's flicking the ball on, and he's making Messias and Salamakers and Brahim look really incompetent. Salamakers? Right yes. All the ah, or we'll make them all look season. incompetent. Yes, okay. yes, yes. He's yeah. making them all look incompetent as fuck, dude, because the way Pulisic and Reinders are feeding oh, off man. these balls. Yeah. <laughs> looking Giroud. good. I, I, I made a point and I stick by it at the moment. Giroud is the best option up yeah, front for yeah. Milan. And I'm not saying out of Milan starting 11, but as a striker with a certain play style, um, Giroud just fits the mold so well. It really allows Pulisic and um, uh, Leao to get him behind. The, the way he drops deep, yeah. even the in the first penalty that was won by Ruben Loftus-Cheek, a slick one-two with Giroud. You see the same thing that Pulisic did in the first match where he scored that worldly as well. That slick one-two with Giroud as well. He's dropping deep. He's a playmaker. You put him on the spot, he guarantees you a goal. He's good in the air. He holds up play nicely. And then, once he got off in this match, how good was Noah Okafor at keeping I the was ball about, up front That's my for next Milan, point, man. literally, bro. Chukwes and Okafor, when they came on, they Great job. Had, yes, exactly. Bravissimi, bravissimi. They just had to hold the ball up. That is how you defend right? the lead. Exactly. And Okafor, in particular, was so good at it, man. Winning fouls, just using every second and uh, wow. winning every second back. Like. And even yes. Chukwes, uh, he looks good when he has the ball. Because the, so the thing far, is, yeah. we've only gotten the opportunity to see Okafor and Chukwes uh, when they when we, when Milan try get them off their mark, so exactly. they're winning four yeah. one against Torino, they're winning two 0 against Bologna. Bring on these boys, see what they can do. This time it's not it wasn't bring on these boys, no. see what they can do. It's bring on and fight for your exactly. lives. So we saw them when the stakes were high now, and they did a really really good job over there. They were absolutely amazing, and how good was Loftus Cheek, bro, as well. His best game yet. At the He's end of train. the game, He's a train. Yeah, Pioli went to take him out because he was on a yellow, right? And mm. you can see Theo and Leao like <laughs> looking at Pioli and going like, "What the hell, him? He's strong." Theo flexing like he's saying like he's strong. Why the hell are you taking him out? was right. He was on a yellow yeah. though, and you bring on Poberga. You know, exactly. It's a it's a no brainer at that point. Yeah. Loftus Cheek to me, man of the match. But man, can I can I just say? Um, not to take anything away from Loftus Cheek, he was a train, unbelievably technical, really strong, dispossessing, taking the ball for it. His link up play, it's like he was born to play in Italy, this guy. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Reinders, same thing, he was excellent, but 
give me a break because this guy is too underrated. Rade Krunic. Oh, All yes. game, oh, yes. every game, the metronome <laughs> of Milan against Roma. He looked like Ben Nasser yeah. on the pitch, man. At a point, they were all pressing him and he's just running in circles, just like keeping <laughs> yeah. the ball away His from him. His Neymar moment. Calm as ever. Calm. Wh- whoever wants to remove him for 8 million, any Milan fan that's willing, saying, okay, Krunic can leave for 8 million, we'll get someone better. Shame on you, man. Because <laughs> this guy knows the team. And, and he is... He's the reference point. He's the man. reference point. Honestly. He's, he's the, the reference, reference point. And, and until... Whenever the fuck Ben Asser is back, because there's Afghan yeah. after, after he's back, Krunic is the best replacement yes. for him. Ben Asser is looking strong, huh, bro? He's, he's looking strong. <laughs> Pan said he's on a slow. He's, on a- <laughs> <laughs> he's slowing right now. <laughs> Instead of fasting for those who yeah, haven't done this. Milan great. brought in Jovic, we haven't even discussed it. Oh my God. Yes, oh uh, personally, God. not a fan. Watch okay. them at Fiorentina, watch the material. Uh-huh. Every the time was real, right? Before. Every time we've seen Jovic play, we've seen Jovic not do it. Like we've seen Jovic not emulate what he had done in Germany. All all our lives, that's what we've seen from Jovic. But it came down to the last two hours to make a decision and taking that into account that Milan had two hours to bring on a sub striker that can rotate with Giroud. I don't think Jovic was the yes. worst case scenario from that's the, from that. Yeah. I, I think. Milan are taking a chance with this guy. Um, and you know what? We saw him do well in Europe for Fiorentina, at least last season. So maybe that's something for the Champions League. He's got some experience there as well. Yeah, I mean, if you had to present this lineup to any Milan fan and be like, like before the season started, like, would you take this? You would have said yes, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And seeing the Taremi deal fall towards the end and seeing that Milan managed to get a late striker in Jovic, who's still 26, who still has the CV he has, who yeah. still scored important goals in Europe. I guess it's not that bad. I guess Milan fans don't have a right to complain there. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, Taremi would have been nice, dude. Taremi would have been real yeah. nice, especially because he has a similar profile to Giroud in that sense. Um, <clears throat> but you know what? Fuck it. It is what it is. You, you bring this guy on... Um, uh, on a weekday, Tuesday night, maybe I'll have a goal in him. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, otherwise, I, I would like to see more and more of Giroud. I really hope he can stay fit all season, but it is his 37th birthday later on this month. I can't wait for him to inevitably score so we could tell him happy birthday, birthday boy <laughs> on the fucking highlights. There we go, dude. Um, Origi has joined Nottingham Forest, so he's our dad's problem now. <laughs> Enjoy, Kev. Shout out, Kevin. <laughs> Enjoy, dog. Um, Theo Hernandez, I just want to praise him as he always seems to get to passes that I always deem too long. I always think, ah, that's too long for... Where the... He got it. <laughs> you know? There was one in particular, I think you know the one I'm talking about, on the left out, on the left-hand side, it was a one-two. Oh, man. The ball was put so, like, far and he managed man. to reach it. Amazing. Man. No, I think this was a... I think the scoreline suggests a close encounter. I think mm-hmm. it was Milan all day, every yes. day against this side. Exactly. Mourinho so. tried, no, his first game back in the trenches. And mm-hmm. he clearly had his us against the world mentality. They're complaining about absolutely everything, like they were being robbed. They always come in with this arrogance that they're being robbed, uh, Mourinho yeah. teams, you know. Um, and you can see Pioli shushing Mourinho as yep. the closing point, and that concludes the game perfectly. Milan off the three wins, Roma with a slow start, historically slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, Roma won, Milan two. Yep. Next up, the Derby della Madonnina. As in, not what we're covering right now, but, but <laughs> next week. I was going to say, damn, I don't have any notes for this one. <laughs>
The next game we're going to be covering is Napoli 1, Lazio 2. Just like in the second half of last season, Lazio managed to get the W away from home against the champions. So Napoli were coming off two victories against Frosinone and Sassuolo, whilst Lazio coming off two defeats to Lecce and Genoa. Lazio won in the last Serie A away game played against Napoli on the 3rd of March 2023 thanks to a Vecino goal, interrupting a streak of five consecutive home wins for the Azzurri. Um, these were the top two last term, but had very different openings in the 2023-2024 season. Guevara made his first start of the season after recovering from a minor knock, but the Aquila had Pedro struggling with an ankle injury as they arrived still looking for their first point of this campaign. When it comes to the lineups, they both started in a 4-3-3 formation, classic Napoli and classic Lazio. For Napoli, it was Meret in goal with a backline of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Juan Jesus and Oliveira. That's Zielinski, Lobotka and Anguissa in the midfield with Kvara, Politano and Osimen up front. On the other hand, for Lazio, it was Provedel between the sticks and the backline of Marisic, Chazale, Romagnoli and Hisai, Kamada, Cataldi and Luis Alberto in the midfield with Felipe Anderson, Zaccani and Immobile up front. So when the game started off, Guevara threatened from distance in the 20th minute, but Providel produced a great fingertip save to deny the Georgian his first goal back. In the 30th minute, and then Luis Alberto opened the scoring, he cleverly and instinctively backheeled the ball past Meret at the first post following a low cross by Anderson. Spectacular goal over there. Um, one of our candidates for goal of the week, in fact. But then it was just two minutes later when Napoli got one back through Zielinski. The Polish low strike from outside the area took a bubble and made its way into the far bottom corner. He was linked with a move to the capital in the summer, but now he is scoring against them. Just 25 seconds into the second half, Provedel denied Zielinski's powerful volley with a great reactional save, getting his body behind the ball very, very well. Those are two great saves by Provedel in this match. And then in the 52nd minute, Lazio made a true one through new signing Kamada. Anderson carried the ball forward down the wing following a Zielinski slip. The Brazilian played a square ball outside the box. Alberto allowed the ball to run through his legs and to Kamada as the Japanese took two touches and finished into the far corner from just inside the area at quite an angle. Great finish by Kamada and that is Lazio at its finest when you see Alberto letting the ball go through his legs in a cross-field pass. Gives me shivers as it reminds me of the 4-0 victory for Lazio against Milan last season. Luis Alberto is unplayable when he's in this mood. Man, Luis Alberto, I, I would rather watch him with music playing than with commentary on. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's so like classical elegant. music. Yeah, man, he's so, he's so elegant and, he's and so smart. And Even technical. here, it's really letting the ball run. And Kamada, by the way. Or Kamada, rather, mm. um, scored at a very important yes. time for his confidence. Yes. Um, it's a massive morale boost. This is the type of goal SMS would have got before. A hundred percent against the defending champions, and you get uh, essentially the, the winning goal. Yeah, um, that's what the commentator said yeah. instantly. That's how you replace Milinkovic Savic. Apologies, I almost vomited. <laughs> 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 and then, guys, this really wasn't the end of the game because this is a Lazio are 2 1 up against Napoli in the 52nd minute. You, you can imagine what's coming after yeah, this. It's called the passion of Guendouzi. Yeah, so you would, <laughs> <laughs> you would think that now Napoli would be the ones attacking and attacking and attacking. However, in the 66th minute, and then Zakanyi finished well into the bottom corner following a brilliant fucking pass by Guendouzi, but VAR ruled the Italian to be marginally offside. 
Four minutes later, in the 70th minute, Guendouzi rifled the ball into the top corner from just inside the area with a miraculous goal. But VAR ruled it off as Zaccagni, once again, was offside during the build-up of this. Now, the Italian didn't quite touch the ball um, when he was in the offside position, but he um, uh, interfered with Di Lorenzo's mm-hmm. line of play, essentially. The pass was aimed at him, Di Lorenzo intercepted it. But naturally, he was interfering, yeah. so it was... Because um, the intention had, was to play the ball to a man in, a, in an offside position. Exactly, and, and the defender would be positioning himself exactly. in such a way to keep him offside. If so. the player were in there, the ball would have never been played there. Exactly, the exactly. Um, so, I, in, in my heart, I truly believe that when Lazio went up, they started to dominate the game. They got those two mm. offside goals. Um, Napoli threatened but they didn't threaten to a ridiculous extent it was mainly Lazio after that Mm -hmm. goal the first half was all Napoli though what do you make of this game? So when Rudy Garcia came in he said he didn't like the fact that Napoli's system relied heavily on one man Mm -hmm. do you know who that man is? Victor Rossiman no Lobotka exactly okay I thought, I, I thought because the way that they played in this game, just trying to fucking hoof it up to us, man. Maybe he's referring to him. He wanted more versatility, I guess. He wanted to impose his system. Mm. Now, his system, as we've seen, uses Lobotka less. Mm-hmm. In fact, That's Lobotka true. wasn't his, his usual self in this That's game. True. No, he wasn't in the positions that he would usually be, and he wasn't calling for it as much as he usually does. Um, and we also see the fullbacks attacking more and, go- and going forward way more, right? And this is what Lazio essentially exposed. They were super 100%. patient. They absorbed and absorbed and absorbed. And the second Oliveira stepped out of line, mm-hmm. one, two over him. Yep. Boop, boop, yep. That's it. Yep. He's gone. Simple Bye. Eyes. That's Philip, it. Philip Anderson. Anderson has his fucking number. Like yep. he's going to beat him any day on pace. Easily. Yeah. In, and in the first goal, that, that's how it started. Okay, yeah. Oliveira managed to track back and actually even stop. Um, uh, stop Philip Anderson but then Anderson still managed to get the ball through to Alberto who backheeled it in but that, that's what created the first yeah. goal like initially yeah. totally. and the second goal came from attack down the right and then it was a cross field pass so yeah. they switched play really efficiently but but it all started from the wings over there totally so so we can see that this Napoli team um, does have its flaws and they've been exposed quite early mm-hmm. um, we'll see how Rudy adjusts to this um, but giving Lobotka more more importance I think he can handle it I think he's pr- Super press resistant Like you press 100%. Lobotka You're not going to get the ball of him. He was 100%. one of the best Registers in the league Last season yeah, So He was having, the best one He was the best one Exactly yeah. Having him As the main man In your system Is not Not a bad thing And you don't have to Play the ball So directly When you're not playing You have a player Like Lobotka In the middle And players like Anguissa Because you afford To play more laterally uh-huh. You afford to take Your time with it You don't always Have to be so direct Exactly That was the the cool thing About Napoli Last last season They they attacked with purpose They weren't just Attacking because They need a goal It never got down To that for Lazio Barely ever at least But it was rather Okay we choose When we're going to attack They were patient They liked having the ball I think that uh, Garcia Garcia just got fucked up in this game by Sarri. Um, <laughs> if you look, if 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 you look tactically at, at the way things went, I think it showed that it's Rudy's first spell, first season at Napoli, and that it's Sarri's third season at Lazio. Um, so you were right to to mention that obviously there was a lot of work 
done down the wings by Lazio to, to expose how high up um, Di Lorenzo and Oliveira were finding themselves, particularly Oliveira. Mm-hmm. But then what Lazio did was when they were defending, they heavily focused on defending down the middle. So mm-hmm. they closed the interior channels more than the, the ones on the wing, um, knowing that Garcia's teams tend to attack down the middle. And you see that in, in how they opened the first two games. Um, I feel like Sarri got his subs completely right. Um, bringing on Guendouzi. Oh, yeah. That, that, like that, was, that was a good move, obviously. Maybe beginner's luck. Um, I don't think anyone expected Guendouzi to, to play that well, but that was a good sub. <laughs> he looked yeah, really good. Huh? He looked insane, man. So driven as well, so motivated to succeed. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, and then Garcia, th- this is where I think he made mistakes. Um, so firstly, what is his obsession with Matias Oliveira? Um, yeah. Is Matias his first name? I believe I think so. I think you're right. Um, what's his obsession with him? I think Mario Rui showed us for the past two seasons that he's the right man for the job down the, yeah. down the left. Um, and you could see Oliveira get shafted by Anderson throughout the game. Um, and I feel like he also took out Guevara quite prematurely. But then that could be an argument of does he have 90 minutes in him yet after his injury. However, Lindstorm bringing mm-hmm. on Lindstorm in the 75th minute, signed four days ago. No one knows who the fuck he is. And um, the point, brings yeah. on Lindstorm. Um, and he kept Anguissa on the pitch. Anguissa looked fucking exhausted. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't bring on Elmas. Elmas was that whenever Napoli needed a goal, they, you could always see classic, classic substitution. Yeah. You take out one of the more defensive midfielders and you bring on Elmas, yeah. who, can, who can get you that. Look, at the end of the day, um, this is a new manager trying out his new tools. Had he brought on this new guy at the end and he would have sc- had he scored, you know, yeah. he would be hailed as a, as a genius, of for course, example. Of course. Um, Elmas, for me, was the obvious choice. When you, when you need no. a goal, you bring on Elmas because he's scored so many in the past and he's confident and he has this belief. But, but you never know, right? I mean, the, the manager has a right to try out his, his new weapons. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that in the 75th minute when you know you need a goal yeah. and you have the option of bringing on Elmas or a new signing from four days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a bit of a no-brainer there, but hey, who's the professional? And he then is. in the 84th minute, he brought on a striker. He brought exactly. on Simeone. Yeah, a bit, bit late and he went yeah. for a two up top and then. Um, I just feel it was it was a lot of... Um, I think Sarri just had his number throughout. Sarri yeah, knew exactly what sure, he was doing. Sure. It was quite a... A clean victory. I feel like Lazio awaited the storm in that first half, and in the second half they just shifted the tide entirely. I think yeah, they frustrated them. Yeah, I think Provedel had a very, very good game. Yeah, super, super goalkeeper. Two brilliant saves. Um, and yeah, I, I thought towards the end of the game that Lazio were going to win by by an even bigger margin. Yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> they kept banging them in, right? And then every time you see the flag up, it's so many celebrations. Literally. Now, now this is the thing. Um, we even have some questions in the question segment. Obviously, we'll, we'll address them. But some people are saying, was it too early to count Lazio out? Look, yes. it's, 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 it's always too early right now to, yeah. to make the, a claim on yeah. who's going to get top four, who's going to get relegated, this and that. Um, it, it, it could even be the case that maybe if, if there was one day to face Napoli for Lazio, it was this day. Because I don't think Napoli were on top of their game at all. Um, I still think they're finding their feet. I think they were blessed with the first two games that they had to kind of get get a feel for things. 
first real test, they lost out to Lazio. Is it woohoo Lazio or is it Nehei Napoli? Who yeah. knows? We'll, we'll wait and see. But that's exactly. all for this game. Exactly. We'll move on to the next game, which saw Fiorentina getting absolutely battered by Inter. Four goals to nil at San Siro. Whoa, excuse me, I just whacked my microphone. <laughs> Italiano made just one change to the team that beat Rapid Vienne to qualify for the Conference League in their midweek match. Um, Inter took advantage of this fatigue and absolutely pounded them, is essentially, I believe, a good summary of this game. <clears throat> Yeah. Inter are the only team in Europe's top five leagues to have to not have conceded a single goal this season. Mm. So that's um, very good and very yeah. nicely done by Inter. Let's get into the starting 11. For Inzaghi's men, it's a 3-5-2 formation with Sommer in goal, Bastoni, Devry and Darmian at the back, with Di Marco on the left wing, Dumfries on the right wing and Mkhitaryan, Chalanoglu and Barella in the middle. Lautaro, Martinez and Thuram formed there. Their new partnership up front, yeah, right? They're nice really one. gelling, these guys. Yeah. For Fiorentina, it was Christensen in goal in a 4-2-3-1 formation with Dodo out on the right, Beraghi out on the left, Ranieri and Milinkovic as the centre-back partnership. Now, I don't know if you've heard anything, but why is Ranieri playing centre-back? Where, where's Martinez Quarta? Isn't that the fucking weirdest shit in the world? Like, Quarta must be injured, no? He's not. He's, he's on the bench. I don't know what the hell he's doing. I, I don't get Ranieri why. Centre-back. It's the only it's, change he made from the... It's crazy mm-hmm. to me how the first time he ever does this is in a match against Inter. <laughs> right, right. It's berserk, like. <laughs> berserk. Arthur and Mandrago. Imagine randomly starting Calabria yeah. as centre-back, <laughs> like, in, in the derby next, next week. What <laughs> the hell is happening? Yeah. Vincenzo Italiano, baby. <laughs> Arthur and Mandragora were in the double pivot with Nico Gonzalez out on the right, Quam out on the left, Bonaventura as a Tercuartista, and Beltran up front because he is intelligent and smart. <laughs> exactly. As Italiano pointed out. Now, in the 23rd minute, we had the first real chance of the game, which was quite cagey to begin with. Yeah. Um, this resulted in Thuram's first goal in Inter Colors when the Frenchman pounded home a Di Marco cross with his head. Um, Di Marco's left foot, man. My God. There are many like it, huh? should start on OnlyFans for it. Exactly, man. Trust me, it'll make a lot of money. <laughs> that left foot in particular is fucking great, huh? It's great left foot. In the 30th minute, um, Thuram almost doubled his money, but ended up uh, sending Bastoni's cross over the bar from point blank range. This yeah. was a bittersweet game for Bastoni. Mm-hmm. He had a great game overall in theory, but he did suffer a few yeah. um, clumsy misses. Yeah. Half-time came, Inter had 10 shots and Fiorentina had two. Inter were pretty much dominating the game from the get-go. In the 53rd minute, Lautaro got his fourth goal of the season with an expert finish thanks to a Thuram assist. Thuram pointed his fingers towards Lautaro the same way Lukaku would. Um, Lautaro's eyes widened immediately and he could, seen wa- he could be seen wagging his finger going, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. I can't wait for Inter-Roma. I think oh, that's going to be a oh, fucking man. hilarious Sign game. Me up. Yeah. If I hadn't just, you know. I bet he won't shake his hand. Man, I I I would love to go watch that game live. Yeah. It would yeah. be mental. He's definitely not shaking his hand. I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I don't know. He seems to really resent him. He's speaking about him in the media. He's publicly doing these making these gestures, you know. There were rumors as well. There were there rumors, rumors about those two. More than just friends. <laughs> More than just brothers. <laughs> so so right. maybe, start, maybe it hurt a bit harder than it should. 
In the 58th minute, Thuram was taken down um, in the box by Christensen for a clear penalty. Chalanoglu made no mistake in converting from the spot as the Kurva sang their new song for Hakan, um, where they basically said, you never scored for me, but you score with us. Those are the lyrics. <laughs> you must be a fucking sure. hero for yeah, them, man. Honestly. Thuram was played through by Lautaro later on, but failed to hit the target one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. It was from a tight angle, granted, but he still failed to hit the target. Mm -hmm. um, Inzaghi brought on Fratesi, Quadrado, Augusto, Arnautovic, and Aslani towards the end, of course, introducing them as early as possible. Yeah. You know, the it's, depth. It's, like, the depth is, the depth is like, good. It, every season, this is the thing, every season it looks like Inter have weakened. Every yeah. season yeah. with the moves that are made in the market, the, the, the cheaper acquisitions are made. The older acquisitions are made. These strange signings come into play. A bunch of people on a free. They remove some really good, what we believe are key pieces. Every season this happens and Inter just come out stronger. Yeah. What a performance by Inter. This was like, okay, Fiorentina didn't even get started. Yeah. But power to Inter for fucking not allowing Fiorentina to get into the game at all. They were unbelievable in this game. I think it's still too early for Fiorentina though. Um, I think they of had course. that fucking tedious terrible fucking midweek game they had to win against Rapid Vienna. They just so lost Amrabat as well. Exactly. They've brought in a player who, who couldn't even feature today. Maxim Lopez for example. You look at Maxim Lopez on this Fiorentina team. He's going to be the, the main focal point. Kind the, of like the, he, he register, will be, you know. He will be. He would have been a perfect replacement for Torreira. Yeah, exactly, Torreira exactly, exactly, exactly. Same profile. Yeah. But, but anyway, but there was wow. one more goal. There was one more goal. Oh, which sorry. Came I in, as we're as done. No, no, oh, came, honestly, Inter are never done. In the, 70, <laughs> in the 73rd minute, Cuadrado drove a low searching cross into the box, which was converted by Lautaro Martinez. So that was Cuadrado's first contribution in yeah. Inter. He looked Colors. good. He also looked greedy at times. Mm -hmm. Coming on, but my first him. point: sixty-five percent ball possession for Fiorentina in the game. Yeah, they, they they could have held on to it all day. They exactly. they they lacked creativity, and Inter were just spot on yeah. when it came to their organization, their defensive line. In you look at Inter and the way they play. If you were to, if I had to choose, the perfect seating to watch Inter play at a stadium it wouldn't be from the side it would be a helicopter over the pitch because the way their formation moves they are so systematic yeah. especially when they're defending you see the shapes the different diamonds that are created the different squares that are created the way they shift is beautiful they, they know who needs to press they know who needs to hang back they know who's covering what channel they move a, a, as an instrument. Yeah. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's a system that's that's quite that's been there for quite some time. Yeah, now. like Conte had the same thing, right? Uh, yeah. Inter, it's been it's been ever since that. Um, and as you said, bro, completely. They could have had it all day. Inter didn't want the ball. No, Inter no. <laughs> knew what to do off the, it. You the, know, the second the second that they did get the ball, they they were just exposing Fiorentina so hard. Yeah. I feel like, firstly. The wing backs, the, the, the second, even before one of the midfielders of Inter obtains possession from a Fiorentina player, you could see the wing backs making a run, like they've been making the run two seconds before the tackle yeah. was made. They just understand each other, man. They, yeah. 
they're scary. They they they're an unbelievable team in there. Yeah, yeah. Fiorentina, of course, fatigued and they looked it. Um, Dodo had a particularly bad game. I thought he was getting absolutely destroyed by Demarco over and over again. Ranieri looked out of sorts at really? times. He had a few clutch moments, but it showed that he wasn't meant to be playing. I I don't think I think they all had a shit game, man. To be honest, Fiorentina because like the same way. In the first match, we're praising Fiorentina, but we said we can't get carried away because it's Genoa that they that they played, and we were obviously right to to be cautious over there. I do want to be cautious in my praise for Inter because Fiorentina simply weren't up to the task. Yes, yes, but yes, yes. to me, some 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 teams play the occasion and some teams play the game. Inter play the game. Um, typically, if you see yourself going up against a team like Fiorentina, like. Why didn't they shut up shop after the first goal? Yeah. Why didn't they panic and say, okay, now we bring on an extra defender. Now we defend or something like that. No, they, they smelt blood and they went out and they got it. They were opportunistic yeah. in that sense. So power to Inter right? for exposing Fiorentina yeah. brilliantly. Yep, and it worked every single time for them this game. Bastoni, yeah. I, want to, I want to highlight his performance. What a player. Um, he had five key passes, four big chances created, six accurate long balls, all while containing Nico and Beltran. He had five duels, one, two clearances, two interceptions, and two tackles as well. So he's an all-rounder. And you yeah. can see him driving into the Trequartista position for this Inter team. And he'll have the ball and he'll release. Like, he's a creative fucking player. He's yeah, an offensive man. weapon as well. He's so good. 100%. So, and I want to highlight as well, that as, as much as it... Obviously, Thuram... Mm-hmm. Um, he he is looking like he's gelling into the system, and that mm-hmm. he's gonna be a perfect replacement for Lukaku. Um, Chalanoglu, I I just have to give him props because adapting to that register role is not easy, especially for a Czechoartista slash Mezzala. Like, like the last thing we believed he was was a register. Um, but in replacing Brozovic, he brings calmness he brings fluidity and he's been good for them and now he is confirmed to be their starting penalty taker number number one rigorista um aha i i think he's he's grown chalanoglu in that he role totally as a register he totally has he's become a key player and the fan favorite over yes there. yes yeah, um, Thuram, bittersweet, as we mentioned, scored, assisted, won a penalty, but missed three golden chances, I guess. Yeah. Just with an action-packed player could do. There are days when you'll be a hero. There are days when yeah. they'll come back to haunt you. Right? As long as for now, he's in the right place at the right time. Sometimes he doesn't react as quickly as he should, but he's learning and he's growing. Yeah. In selling Amrabat, Fiorentina have lost an entire dimension from their team that clearly has not been replaced. Um Totally true. This was a comment I saw and I, I chose to, to bring it up because it's totally true, right? They, they don't have that metronome, that physicality anymore. But as we mentioned, Maxime Lopez still needs to come in. They're missing Barak, Ikone, Yerimina, Castrovilli. These guys all need to come back into the, the team. Yeah. They could have used some depth in this, at the start of the season. Um, but it's just the worst time for them. They'll get better, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Yeah, I... They had a similar start. Sorry to interrupt. That's right. um, last season. So they got five points from their first five Serie A games last season. Mm-hmm. It was deemed a terrible start. It was. They had to try to balance the Conference League and the league, right? Mm-hmm. They went on to make two cup finals, these guys. The Coppa Italia final and the Conference yeah. League final. Italiano was heavily criticized at the start, but then he grew into the season. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll do even better this year. I, I think so, man. Even just 11 men, not, o- not only 11, but 
the entire staff being on all those journeys together, getting to these two finals, working their asses off, like having those th- those extra sessions in together to get fit for the upcoming games. That that all being through that experience molds the team and gels the team. But they've been through it all together, yeah. so so they do get closer and they do get better as a team. So be patient with Fiorentina. This is a four in the lost winter and. You know, anyone can get a four and a loss to Inter on an off day. Yeah, and that concludes the game. Inter have not conceded a goal yet. They are first and they take on Milan next to us, so haven't lost a game yet. Yeah, it is going to be one hell of a derby. Um, I'm not going to predict the way the, the game goes, because typically when you get... This is the first derby, in my opinion, that we've really seen both teams on red hot fucking firing mm-hmm. form, because it's either towards the start of the season, like it was last year, where Inter hadn't started yet and Milan were the champions, they had this momentum and they, and they beat Inter. And then every time Milan faced Inter again, they either had a bunch of injuries last season or something, something was going on. Leao injured, Giroud injured. I saw a starting 11 Milan had against Inter last season when they played a 3-4-3 or a yeah, 3-5-2. It was pff, hilarious. Like, this is the first derby we're seeing in a while where both teams are on red hot fucking piping form. If Giroud is fit... Then this is going to be one hell of a derby. What worries me is that typically when both teams are on great form, both of them tend to be a bit more cautious in the game. So it could be a low scoring one. Uh, We'll see. It might be at the start, but I do feel like with the players on the pitch, there will be goals. You know, there will be blood. Even the (laughs) fact that um, you've got Tomori out and Kalulu stepping in, I feel like that might be something that Inter feel they might be able to exploit with all all respect to Kalulu because he's a fantastic player. Yeah. You never know. Uh, the occasion might always get to you. It might make you have an incredible game. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah, that, that's that's something that Milan ideally wouldn't mm. want to have, right? They'd want yeah. to have their starting players. Even Giroud up top, who might have to actually start with Jovic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. up front. Or Okafor as the nine, and then you put Pulisic. Like, everything might change. You know yeah, I mean? there, there's, still, there's still a week left to go. There, there are also the, there's also, like, Giroud got injured yesterday because he was representing France. There are more fixtures today, there are more fixtures tomorrow, there are more fixtures the day after. So think of all the things that can happen over there. But let's jump to the next game. Empoli nil, Juve 2. Juve coming off a victory over Udinese and a draw against Bologna. While Empoli are three out of three, four losses now, losing out to Verona, Monza and now Juve. Coming into this game, Empoli had won two of their last four against Juve, including a devastating 4-1 victory over the Bianconeri last season. Following the announcement of their point deduction, moving that down from second to seventh, that was oh, the, the scenes there were very tense and nerve-wracking. Um, now, the Bianconeri made several changes after the controversial 1-1 draw with Bologna, still missing Szczesny and Mattia De Ciglio. Empoli had lost both matches without finding the net, with Elia Caprile and Daniel Maldini injured, so Berisha made his debut in goal over here. Now, Empoli started the game in a 4-3-3 formation with Berisha and goal and a backline of Berezinski, Valukevic, Luperto and Pezzella. The midfield three of Male, Marin and Fazzini and Cambiaghi starting out on the left, Baldanzi on the right and Ciccio Caputo up front. For Juve, it was a 3-5-2 formation with Perin in goal and a backline of Gatti, Bremer and Danilo. McKenny started out on the right, Kostic started out on the left and Rabiot, Locatelli and Miretti formed the midfield three with Chiesa and Vlahovic up front. So Danilo headed the ball into the back of the net in the 10th minute, but the goal was ruled out due to a foul on goalkeeper Berisha. In the, when the initial cross came in, the foul was made 
by the goal scorer himself in the 24th minute and then Danilo this time his goal stood as there was confusion in the area following a Juventus corner and the ball ended up in the feet of the captain who slotted in past Berisha making it Juve 1 Empoli 0 in the 39th minute, um, Vlahovic stepped up for a penalty and missed. The Serbian was denied from the spot as Berisha got down well to deny a rather central strike by Vlahovic. The penalty was won by Gatti, who was tripped up by Male in the box. In the 65th minute, Pogba's expert volley was ruled out after VAR deemed Vlahovic to be in an offside position. Couldn't catch a break, even ruined Pogba's moment. Um, it was a great volley by, by Pogba. Um, Pogba's 15 minutes between injuries, right? Poor yeah, guy. exactly, exactly. Um, in the 82nd minute, and then one of my favorite goals of, of the week, it, it has to be said, um, Chiesa made it 2-0 after, you know, Chiesa had been threatening for an entire game. In the 82nd minute, he managed to score and make it 2-0. Um, after terrorizing Empoli for a full match, Chiesa finally put his name on the score sheet. As Empoli piled men forward, a slick one-two between Chiesa and Milik put the Italian clean through on goal. Berisha came way off his line to the night Chiesa, who rounded the keeper, lost his footing due to the contact with the goalkeeper, but got back up and finished into an empty net from a rather tight angle at that point. Classic Chiesa, whose grinta is unmatched. I would have loved to hear that goal without fans. I would have hey, loved to man. hear it with Chiesa sound. <laughs> 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 Literally, if only it happened during COVID. In the 91st minute, Milik's header following away across hit the crossbar, but that was pretty much it. Um, Empoli nil, Juve 2, there were probably no doubts about that. Gatti and Pogba picked up minor injuries. It is said that they'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, Pogba enjoyed again, man. He can't catch a break. Poor guy. Yeah. I wonder if his body can actually hold up at this level. That, that is where my head is at now because it's like okay I've picks up a minor injury it could happen to anyone at any time a minor injury you know when you're playing a fucking game of football but again and again and again and again and again it's like the pattern is really repeating itself and it's not it's 30 minutes of football like. yeah man yeah but power to Pogba I'm still waiting to see him at his best in Italy. It's crazy how he always looks so good, no matter how long he's been injured for or whatever. Like he's a, he's he a class. He's a level above the rest. Yeah, he's just naturally. He's a world class footballer. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for those fucking injuries, man, he'd be like we saw the season he won the World Cup for France, for example. Oh, that shit was the, or or the other seasons at Juve. Um, that shit is Ballon d'Or esque yeah. potential. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Puskas Award potential and all that. Um, but anyway, let's talk about this game a little bit. Um, what did you make of? I mean, it, it was an expected victory for Juve um, up against Empoli, winning two 0 I personally think that Juve it would be disappointed that they didn't win the game by a larger margin because they had many opportunities. Uh, what did you make of this I game? I appreciated Allegri's approach. I like the fact that after the goal that came in the eighty-second minute, Juve had another four shots, for yeah. example. Um, that's that's always good to see. Um, the question with this Juve side is okay. So they're playing once a week. Mm-hmm. They've got a good team, even though um, Allegri made a funny comparison. Let me find it one sec. I took note. He basically um, made reference to you know. You remember when Conte said you can't go to a one hundred euro restaurant with ten euro? Ah, uh-huh. he kind of has his own version of this Allegri. He said you can't yeah. you can't take on a tank with a pistol. 
is what he randomly said about his team. Now, granted, the only team they've dropped points to are Bologna. Are you saying Bologna have a tank, bro? Well, in, you're playing once a week. Use your pistol wisely. <laughs> Allegri, he, he's the master of, of, of this. It's just downplaying their chances yeah, fucking up until the final day. Like. Yeah. But yes, they do look more positive. The, the problem with Juve has come so far when they face a very, very competent tactician that's backed with a good squad. Yeah. Motta and Bologna and yeah. Bologna's team, of course. Um, Juve are always going to win these games against Empoli in Salernitana they'll win these games you know? yeah. I mean, the problem is when they face the bigger teams can they hold up um, is Allegri's style going to remain relevant or will it look like the Milan-Roma game similar with, yeah you know? similar with, similar with Juve and Milan. Roma in that sense um, I think I think Juve are looking more positive um, with more attacking football being played um, they're more confident having the ball than they were in the past. And I think despite the penalty miss, um, Vlaovic is generally looking more comfortable on the pitch. I'm not saying his shooting boots have been on because they haven't been. He scored one penalty so far in three games and he, and he, and he missed mm-hmm. one as well. Um, but he isn't simply being marked out of matches in the last he's few involved. seasons. Uh, he's, he's more involved. The movement and his chemistry with his teammates looks improved to, to how it was in the past. They still, however, aren't feeding him as much as they should be. Um, but I think once Juve mastered this um, Vlahovic and, and how to use our main guy up front efficiently, it would make them a much more dangerous team. Yes. I think him and Chiesa up top is looking like that is the best case scenario for yeah. Juve. They, yeah. ca- they couldn't line up in a better way. And this means they have they have a lot of speed on both sides of yep. the pitch because you've got Kostic on one side who can devastate his man and Kiers on the other. Mm-hmm. He can use that and keep up with pretty much anyone on the counter. Yeah, um, Wea as well. Exactly, Wea too. Um, I was really impressed, by the way, with um, Milik's footwork on the second goal and oh, the yeah. pass. Perfectly yeah. weighted ball. Perfectly yeah. weighted. Enough to, for Berisha to think that he can get to it to make him rush off his line, but enough mm. for Chiesa to actually get to, yeah. to it before him. It, it, it must be a, a a joy having a player that quick to play I want to with. You're yeah. like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to shoot it up. Like. Um, you, you mentioned Kostic. He's back. Um, yes. He wasn't injured or he wasn't suspended, nothing. He, he was just... Transfer. Like, the transfer rumours, the, the forest interested uh, among some other teams. Um Poor Cambiaso, man. Um, it, like Kostic played, he, did, he pretty much did what you'd expect from Kostic. Work hard for the entire game. Tackle, run, sprint, cross. Like, uh, like that's exactly what you expect from him. Poor Cambiaso, man. I feel like he, he, he is a better fit for this team when it comes to chemistry and, and the way they play together. I feel like Cambiaso and, and Chiesa really understood each other. And then Kostic kind of comes and does his own thing a little bit. Um, I prefer Cambiaso on the team personally. This after just like two yeah. games, you know. We have to see. Yeah, I mean, Kostic was one of Juve's best players. The fact that Cambiaso even got games is already mm. surprising, and he's already doing very well. Competition never hurt anyone, especially when you're coming up through the ranks, having an older player that you mm. can look up to and you can learn from, and you can also compete compete with. Yeah, is, is very good. Definitely. Weekly Danilo Hurrah. Three, two, one. Hurrah. Hurrah. Empoli have not put up a fight against any of their opponents so far. I wasn't quite, <laughs> I wasn't quite expecting them to put up a fight against Juve, but mm-hmm. maybe in their previous matches up against, I believe it was Verona, 
and I know this yeah. Verona and Monza. Um, I feel like they could have done more in those games. Yeah. I think Empoli at the moment look like the worst team in the league. Yeah, go out and They do have the players and the manager to actually grow into the season, but yeah. what a terrible start for them right now. Many yeah. people have moved them into their bottom three. Uh, my, my, they, they were in my bottom three two weeks before the season started. And then you changed your mind. And right? I, I put them a bit higher. But you know what, man? I still think the team's too good to get relegated. I mean, the day but we've said that before. We've said match, about Cagliari. It's time. match day three. Yeah, exactly. You know, let's relax. Yeah. Um, did Marin try any long-range shots this game? I can't remember. If I didn't include it in my rundown, then I didn't deem it a threat. Yeah. So... <laughs> Your go, brother, your go. I'm up. Yes, sir. We have got Atalanta 3, Monza. Oh, nil. yes. Atalanta were simply too much to handle for Monza after a cagey start to the game. Since Monza's first season in Serie A, last season basically, Atalanta have always beaten Monza. They are currently, um, on aggregate, 10-2. Wow. 10-2 for Atalanta. Yeah. Jesus. So, yeah, Monza always struggling against Atalanta. I mean, Atalanta tend to blow the newer teams out of the water unless oh, yeah. you're frosting on apparently. Exactly. So, 3-4-1-2 um, for Gasperini's men with Musso and goal. Kolasinac, Jim City and Scalvini at the back. Ruggeri out on the left. Zappa Costa out on the right with Ederson and Rune in the double pivot. Coop Miners playing behind the strikers. So, in this case, both starting, both getting their first start for Atalanta were Scamacca and Decatelare. Of course, Duvan Zapata has moved to Torino. Yep. For Monza, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Di Gregorio on goal. Caldirola, Mari and Itzo were at the back with Birindelli out on the right. <coughs> Patrick Churia on the left. Pessina and Gagliardini in the middle with Colpani and Caprari behind Mota. As you can hear, my voice is still weird, guys. It's been almost a month now. I <laughs> might have to find a new co-host soon, bro. Because... <laughs> Because it looks like me and the dog are soon on <laughs> So neither outfit really threatened in the first 20 minutes. Um, the first real sight of goal coming shortly after the midway point in the opening period when Atalanta, um, summer signing Scamacca's header was denied by Monza goalkeeper Di Gregorio, while Scalvini buried the rebound, but it was ruled offside. Yeah, I read that terribly. Basically, if you didn't understand, Scalvini scored, but it was offside. <laughs> <laughs> In the 35th minute, Ederson opened the official scoring. The goal was a result of a corner kick taken by Coop Miners. He whipped in the ball and was hidden by Caldirola. It struck the neck of Colpani, creating an opportunity. Charles de Caitelar then provided the assist to Ederson, who managed to score um, and take advantage of Monza's lackluster reaction. In the 42nd minute, the goal was a result of a perfectly weighted cross by Ruggeri to Scamacca. I must say Ruggeri can really whip it up. Yeah, he can, man. Fantastic crosser of the ball. Yeah. Skamaka positioned himself expertly outside the, uh, inside the penalty area and used his head to get the ball into the back of the net. Pablo Mari, the Monza defender, was marking Skamaka, but he couldn't basically do anything about the giant man with the baggy t-shirt. Exactly. He looks so cool as Skamaka with his uh, scarecrow-like physique and his baggy Atalanta kit. Yeah, he's dope. Yeah, he looks like a really cool like, like praying mantis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was his first goal. At the start of the second half, Atalanta appeared... 
to look content to let Monza enjoy more possession. And they tried to pick them off on the counter-attack and this strategy ultimately led to their final goal in the 62nd yeah. minute. Skamaka positioned himself now outside the penalty area on the edge this time. He received the ball while being unmarked. He controlled it and rifled it low and hard into the bottom corner. Yep. Gasparini's men had the ball in the back of the net for another two occasions, uh, one scoop miners and once against Kamaka, but they were ruled offside for a handball and offside respectively. And Muriel had his shot saved at the end and Holm had his header brilliantly saved by Di Gregorio at the end, the ex-Spezia man. Yep. <clears throat> so bro, Atalanta blowing Monza out of the water, were you surprised? Um, yes, to be honest. Um, I, I think Monza's a tough draw for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Atalanta coming off a disappointing game against Frosinone, I was expecting it to be a, a closer affair than it was, but I think Atalanta had a great, great, great game over here. I think individual performances were great all round as well. You look at, for example, Cope Miners having a good game, Ederson getting himself a goal, Scamacca with two goals, Ketelare grabbing himself an assist, Scalvini as always solid at the back, Dahoun playing the ball around beautifully. I think individually they had a spectacular match and i think this this is the thing about monza if they don't get going they don't get going yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> if, if they don't put up a fight in the first half don't expect them to put up a fight in the second half that's a very good point they never really grow into matches no 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 if, if like god forbid a, a team gets an early lead against monza because monza are out of the game that's true where do they stand for you atalanta though they've beaten Sassuolo and Monza quite comfortably and mm. they lost to Frosinone, newly promoted. Um, this Remember, this was the first start for Scamacca, uh-huh. the first start for CDK. Yeah, uh, um, I think, so Fro- Frosinone, the way I'm looking at them is like looking at Ajax in that Champions League where, where it's <laughs> yeah. like, ah, like it's, it's fine, we're only against them. But then you play them and they're, they're like, like <gasps> no, no way comparing Frosinone to Ajax, it's just the dynamic like... Um, so I don't want to get carried away with any of my statements because, as I said, it's still very early. But I, I do think that Atalanta will fight for top four. Yes, I think so too. They, they, they simply will. Like, they gave... This is very much a work in progress. And now they gave... <laughs> bless you. They gave Skamaka and Deke their first starts. They have Kolasinac starting at the... Kolasinac starting at the... Mm at the back as well. So this is all a work in progress. The only thing that is worrying me now are these Gasperini, this Gasperini drama that's going on. People are defending him though now. Yes. Um, Yes, yes. I forgot who it was, a player came. Okay, so let's tell the whole story. Yes. So who was the first one? Was it not Demiral? Who was the other one? I think it was Demiral. No, someone else. Ah, um, Mele. Mele, yeah. Mele basically said that um, Atalanta's a prison, Gasparini's a control freak, mm-hmm. um, and that basically he got angry when um, him and Hoyland drove to training together. Uh-huh. He wanted them to be separate. He wanted everything to be professional. Everything's by his terms. Then Demiral commented on this news and said, like, tutto vero, basically everything is true. Um, and then you had Holm joining the national team and one of the former Atalanta players, Kulusevski, mm. um, on the Swedish retreat, told him like, congrats on Gasperini. So there's been a lot of pressure on Gasperini. Uh, and we know he fought with Papu Gomez a few yeah. years ago as well. So head. he's, yeah, he's clearly a difficult person to work with. But let's be real. 
he fucking knows how to get the best out of his players. Yes, he's a fantastic uh, manager. Yes, man. One of the best in the league. I mean, and yes, but the nice man, you know what I mean? Just I know, but <laughs> one of the things Mela pointed out, for example, was how they mostly care about making player, getting players and increasing their wealth. Yeah, yeah. Sounds fucking good to me. Ah, I know, and, and, and I mean, he's the longest serving manager in the league. Yeah. It's just, okay, yes, but if this system, how, how far is the system getting him? They, they haven't won trophies. You know what I mean? So I think with the team they have, and they've had the same manager for that amount of time, and he's clearly done a good job turning out of nothing to something, because Atalanta were nothing. Exactly. They were nothing. And now they're one of the top teams in Italy, and they play, they often play in the Champions League, so on and so forth. If you go. But like, you... uh, but shouldn't they have won a trophy in the spirit? Should they have not won a Coppa? Maybe, yes, but, but at the end of the day, you look at the minnow side that, that Atalanta are, and you look at the books, uh, he's exceeding expectations year after year after year, so you can't really ask him for, for any well, more. Well, not in the honest. past two seasons, to be honest. No, okay, but, but still, when you look at the size of Atalanta and the wage, anywhere in the top, anywhere in a European spot is good. No, fair enough. If you get the opportunity to work with Gasperini, then I think what you need to do is suck it up. You need to accept him for what he is and you need to understand that if you do what he tells you to do, a big team <laughs> will swoop in for you. And if not, you get to succeed and to play many minutes because he's fair with his minutes, right? Mm-hmm. He gives everyone an opportunity. And you're playing in the top division, you're, you're, you're potentially fighting for Champions League with Atalanta. And if you're not content with that, you have the opportunity to be sniped and poached by bigger teams. So he'll only do you good in your career if you listen and if you, if you, you know, deal with him for a bit. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. I, I think it, it would be great experience and, and like playing with Atalanta under that manager. It, it's essentially like joining one of the best youth systems yeah. um, that there are because the training that that team, I don't know what they do so special. I can't get into that, but <laughs> the, the players just grow so much when they're there. Firstly, they get fucking jacked yes. when they join Atalanta. There are steroids memes, no? Yeah. Secondly, there's a certain intelligence and grace about these players. It seems like every player that joins Atalanta needs to have a certain fucking level of football IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think, I think they should suck it up. And not every manager is going to hold your hand. Some, some of them are, are a bit tougher to work with, but naturally it's the tougher ones that are going to make you improve more. Definitely. You know what I mean? And then if he's attacking their personal lives or something like that, I don't know. Yeah. But if, if he's not, if then... it's too much, yes. Apparently, yeah. Papu says he punched him. So, <laughs> we'll see. Take that with a pinch of salt. It could yeah. have easily been the other way around. Yeah. Um, 18 goal-scoring opportunities created by Atalanta the wow. most of the match. They, when they want to attack, they can attack. And we remember the absolute fucking terror they were a few seasons ago. They oh, still man. have that. In their yeah. Now it's Kamaka firing. Yeah. They're going to be dangerous, bro. And I like him and Dekei Talare up front. Two yeah. big boys. And two very different profiles. They yeah. each other. Monza are really struggling to do anything without Carlos Augusto. Let's hope they find um, other alternatives to focus on. They're playing Churia on the left now. Yeah. And Birindelli on the right to try and make up for that loss down the left. Uh, How's uh, that working for you guys? Yeah, not great for now, right? Um, <laughs> I think Pessina needs to get more involved, I think. I think there, there are still avenues for them to succeed, but they need to get their shit together. 
Yeah, they had a very Especially offensively, because defensively they're okay. Until Atalanta really penetrated them and they tried to get back in the game, then they ran away with it. Yeah. But um, we saw them, for example, in preseason against Milan, they looked tight. They looked very tight. tight. They looked very tight. Um, Still early. I still wait to see the best out of Monza. They had a very slow start last year. That was expected. Um, Let's hope that they don't get off to a similar start this season because now it's not expected. Exactly. You're up. I'm up. Woo! The next game we're going to be covering is Bologna 2, Cagliari 1. Bologna's first win of the season following a loss to Milan and a draw to Juve, whilst Cagliari are still yet to win after some tough opening fixtures where they held Torino and lost to Inter. In the last 12 meetings in Serie A between Bologna and Cagliari, each team have won four times and four have been a draw. However, Bologna are unbeaten in their last 10 home games against Cagliari in Serie A, where they won seven and drew ten. Sorry, and drew three. Jesus. <laughs> um, Adam Sao Mauro and new signing Alexis Salamakers were injured for the hosts, with Musa Barrow, Sosa and Liko Janis left behind. The Sardinians threw Petania straight into the mix as Pavoletti, Lapadula, Rog, Mancozu, Pereiro and Capradossi were sidelined. So a few injuries over here, some more significant than others. For Bologna, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Skorupski in goal and the backline of Christiansen, Lukumi, Beukema and Posh. Double pivot of Moro and Abisher with Carlsen out on the left and Doi out on the right and Ferguson playing behind Zergze. On the other hand, for Cagliari, it was a 4-1-3-2 formation with Radunovic in goal and the backline of Zappa, Dossena, Vietesca and Augello. They had Sulemana in the regista role with Nandez, Makumbu and Yankto playing you behind great, bro. You playing behind Petania and Luvumbo. That was tough. I'm not even gonna lie, guys. So for the play-by-play in the sixth minute, Carlson. This powerful strike from 25 yards out hit the outside of the post for what could have been a sensational goal. He had Radunovic beaten and the ball could have ended up in the top corner very easily. What a strike so early on. Um, Bologna, they love getting off to these fiery fucking starts they where like they just have, have it, it early on. from You're distance. Right. Mm-hmm. However, in the 22nd minute, Luvumbo opened the scoring for Cagliari. Um, he let Vietesca's long ball run past them and he absolutely demolished the defender for a pace before slotting into the far corner from a tight angle. In celebration of Cagliari's first goal of the season, Nandez managed to crack the glass barrier. Now He's either really strong or the Sardinians haven't refurbished their stadium in decades. I think I know which one it is. Probably a bit of a combination of both, yeah. to be fair. Nandez would be quite strong. Piacere, Zito, piacere. It was a great goal. This to me is a contender for, for yeah. goal of the week. He's a super player, Luvumbo. He's yeah. the only player that looks like he can actually run on this calibre. Literally, literally. On the half hour mark, Radunovic produced two great saves in quick succession. One where he got down well to deny Carlsen from close range and the other on the follow-up where Zegze, where Zegze shot with great power. In the 59th minute was the Dutchman who got the equaliser. 1-1 thanks to Zegze. Uh, Christensen's first time pass found Zergze at the near post and the Dutchman did supremely well to finish at the near post with a first time left-footed strike. Great finish by Zergze. Um He's looking like a very complete striker. This is, this is great because I 
praised him only last week, the week before. Yeah. I said that he's a great striker, but he, he doesn't shoot score. enough. Yeah, exactly. And he really took the opportunity, the half chance he had here to, to take a shot on and he fucking yeah, finished man. perfectly. So he's happy to see him developing like this. Very well-rounded striker. Yeah, he's looking good. He's looking really good. Very good. In the 75th minute, Orsolini had the goalkeeper beaten from a penalty, but smashed the crossbar, foiling his 100% record from the spot. The penalty was awarded as Depardo stopped Christiansen's cross with his arm inside the area. I thought Orsolini would never miss a penalty, bro, yeah, but here he, he is. Too hard to miss. Yeah, but, <laughs> but he, you know, he had the keeper beaten, the poor guy, but yeah. he went for too much power, I believe. Maybe that's just a lesson in life that sometimes you just need to relax, no? Yeah, I think Cagliari um, held on well and then, but in the 89th minute, um, Bologna got a stroke of luck and Fabian got the winner. Um, Christiansen's strikes seem to be easy pickings for the talented Radunovic who had a great game up until that moment but the goalkeeper uncharacteristically spilled the ball after getting both hands behind it the ball fell to Fabian who needed to get a simple touch to score and score he did Um, 2-1 for Bologna it's funny because this is their first game where they were favourites going into it because otherwise they played against Milan and Juve Um, and it turned out to be a a very tough fixture for them Um, I didn't think they were going to get the win because Cagliari did did well to hang on to that Mm -hmm. 1-1 and it seemed like they were hanging on well to the 1-0 as well but a stroke of luck for Bologna to get their first win of the season uh, considering the way they played in the opening three games I think it's deserved at the end of the day yeah sure um, they deserve to win most of the games they've played so far yeah um, even especially the one against Juve last, last week when they um, had the clear penalty <clears throat> so um, I really like Cagliari's setup I really like the fact that they line up the 4-4-2 they try to disrupt the game they have a few mm. sneaky ideas on how to get goals I think they're fun to watch are they good enough to stay up I'm not sure yet uh-huh. but I really enjoy watching them play and Petani and Lovumbo up front is just a, a dream for me to watch because you've yeah. got the, the wallers in the box and the fucking <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez Speedy Gonzalez Yeah he's so fucking quick Lovumba And he's so Jesus technical Bro well. just called Petania a walrus <laughs> But I know In the best way possible A human isn't gonna Have muscle a walrus <laughs> That's what I'm saying right They're not gonna beat Petania on the box and They've, they've got a good header On them yeah, as well No is that a seal Seals have good headers Not sure what the difference is No <laughs> Um, this Fabian guy Who scored the winner bro uh-huh. He is an Inter youth product God. Who was out on loan at Regina last season where he played 36 games and scored eight goals in Serie B. So he's um, a confident kid, six foot one. He can score, plays in midfield, mm. offensive player. Mm. Um, and I didn't think that his first goal would come in his first appearance. Just, hey. just a few minutes after coming on. He was you know, gifted. He was yeah. gifted, sure, but that can blow him up. You know, he's being yeah. the headlines. People are going to start so calling his name out when he's walking in the street. He might burst onto the scene right here. Like Michael Richards. Um, I, I agreed. Um, I think take nothing away from his instinctiveness of, of the goal. Like I know Radonovic literally dropped the yeah. ball. Yeah. Um, but it was it was crowded. He could have picked it back up or somebody could have cleared it, but he had his leg out. Boom, instantly yeah. he, he, he smelled blood over yeah. there. Um must have been so frustrating for Radonovic. I don't know. He had such a good game as well, man. Mm. It's 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 Poor unfortunate he, that he didn't he even that. drop it. He he's left he lost grip of it. it Literally, even... it, it, he had both hands behind yeah. the ball and everything had pretty much caught it. Similar to kind of like Dida's error against Celtic, was it? Ah, uh, yes. Similar, I, I similar so. to that. 
Um, we spoke about Celtic, right? Yeah, yeah. This literally. <laughs> we spoke about Zergzay already, so I won't get into that um, too much. Luvumba, I want to highlight, um, and this front two for for Cagliari is looking to be can be quite dangerous if you look at both player profiles. Petania, like you said, the Walrus in the box can really hold up play well, and just having Luvumba who can run in behind him is going to be a headache for a lot of teams. I think once Cagliari increase the fluidity of their play, that, that, that can be a very dangerous duo up front. But for the time being, I'm a bit disappointed with Cagliari. I'm not going to lie for the time being. As much as I enjoy watching them, mm-hmm. um, you would think that w- with a manager like the Tinker Man himself, they could have gotten a slightly better start. Um, so who they had? Who have they had so far? Who have they had? Who have? <laughs> <laughs> they held Torino to a nil nil uh-huh. draw. That's a good result. That's a that's a decent result. And then they, and then they got trashed to Inter, was it? I believe so. Yes, they, they, they got beaten by Inter. Yes, they got beaten by Inter, and now they lost out. Now they lost to Bologna. To Bologna. Um, yeah. It's it's a competitive. It's a, it's it's a, a tough, tough start, and they tough got a start. point out of it. I mean. But I don't know. I, I just feel like the, the football they're playing. Ah, um, this they're, is the football they're going to play. Yeah. They're, they're hustlers in four, that sense. Four, two. Catenaccio. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then they have... So that, that's why I'm saying they need to be more fluid in order to feed mm. this front two. Because once they get the ball to that front two, they can be quite dangerous. Even with Nandez in behind them and Yankto, for example. These are all good players. Um, but just I'm seeing them playing quite negative football, which is probably the way a newly promoted team would tend to set up against these higher ranked teams in Serie A so you don't blame them excited to see Cagliari against some opponents that are on par with them Same. at least and this was Petania's first game for them I think he pretty much did what we expect Petania to do um, can he get more service is the question like we just spoke about um, pretty much I think it was a good idea for them to bring in another striker apart from Pavoletti because Pavoletti is particularly good coming on right yeah um, Petania is meant to bring you a cool head he has been the center of many projects the Spal mm. one for example they had a whole team working to feed him yeah you know you feed Petania he's definitely gonna eat um, <laughs> so just give him the ball as much as you can get, get him going he can be a machine now yeah We'll see. I, I, I like this Cagliari team though. They're fun. No, I like the team, they have but good players as well. I like the team, and that's why I'm a bit disappointed mm-hmm. in how they've uh, how they've started off. It's just the the manner in which they're playing and the style of football which they're playing isn't typically one that appeals to me so much. The Catenaccio yeah, yeah. style and stuff, but you do what you have to do at the end of the day, man. And that's and it. at the end of the day, they almost managed to get another uh, point in a roster of the the first three matches that are very tough. And they, like that, they would have gotten a point against Torino and a point against Bologna. But Bologna, stroke of luck, and they managed to get away with their first three points. When you see how they played in the first three matches, definitely deserved. But over to your game, bro. Sassuolo 3, Hellas Verona 1. So basically, Berardi returns to Sassuolo starting 11. And as always, he steals the show. Hellas had no answers for him and he... He just shows his professionalism, this guy, constantly over and over again. Like, granted, right. yes, he was trying to force his way out. He wasn't in the starting 11 in the first two games, but here he is, all right? He didn't sell me. Boom, I'm going to score two goals and win you again. Exactly. So he's not spiteful. He's a professional and he hates losing above anything else. So for Alessio Dionisi's Sassuolo, it was a 4-3-3 as always with Consigli. In goal, Vinia out on the left, Antolian out on the right, with Tresoldi and Erlich at the back. Henrique, 
Boloka and Thor's vet were in the middle with Lauriente out on the left, Berardi out on the right and Pinamonti up front. For Verona, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation with Montepo on goal, Magnani, Coppola and Davidovic at the back. Faroni was out on the, re- on the right while Doig was out on the left. With Duda and Hongla in the middle, Folorunsho was in the Trequartista position with Ingonj and Mbula playing ahead of him. Now, <clears throat> in the 11th minute, Sassuolo capitalized on a moment of defensive disorganization by Verona. Verona failed to clear their defensive lines. Sassuolo regained possession. They capitalized on the opportunity. Tolian whipped in the ball in the box and Andrea Punamonti, who was left unmarked, easily headed the ball into the net to give Sassuolo a 1-0 lead. This goal marked Sassuolo's first goal of the season. Coppola and Magnani were daydreaming over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Pinamonti, to be honest, had he been on his toes, not flat-footed, could have scored earlier before this opportunity because the yeah. ball came to him and he didn't react in time. So, yeah, needs to be more of a fox in the, in the box. Needs to be more alert, maybe. Yeah, I think so. In the 56th minute, Verona managed to equalize against the run of play, a speculative cross by Cyril Ngonj into the six-yard box. Um, took an unexpected trajectory and caught everyone by surprise and ended up in, in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, Fortunate leveler over there by yeah, Verona. Yeah, definitely. After Verona's equaliser, Sassuolo regained the league thanks to a fantastic display by Berardi, scored by beating Coppola and deflecting the ball into the net. This made the 2-1 for Sassuolo. Shortly after that, he was fouled in the box by Doig. He earned the penalty himself. He took it himself, he converted it, and he ran up to the 40 Sassuolo supporters and extended his arms um, to show like your God is here. Bro, it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. They had they had many more fans in the stadium. Young young people in Sassuolo. It's that's what I I love to see, man. It's nice because we've often spoken about this problem. Um, Sassuolo's fans are non-existent because the stadium is far from the city. The fans have already chosen clubs Mm. and have been supporting these clubs since they were children. Sassuolo are quite a new team, so nice to see that their following is growing. You know what Sassuolo need? A good social media manager Mm. that can further target young people, be cool, be a cool football brand for young people and hopefully try to get them young and try to increase the amount of supporters they get on a year-to-year basis. Because there's no, there, there, there's not going to be any convincing a 50-year-old who's been supporting Bologna his entire life. No, yeah. start supporting. But you know, their run to Europe when they were first promoted, I thought people would fall in love hey, with Hey, man, hey, hey, hey. Fuck it. I think Hellas Verona this game really felt the loss of Hien, who got a red card against Roma. He's the defensive leader, mm. and I felt like they, they missed him a lot over there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I mean, Verona quite quite similar to... Um, Sassuolo in the sense that they've always struggled at the back as well and we've never seen them invest in the back yeah. um, okay Hien was, was, a, was a good addition but you see what happens the second they lose him and they look, dis- they look disorganized in this game I think Sassuolo did a good job of playing an offensive brand of football in this game and putting a lot of pressure on Verona they didn't give Verona time to build the ball from the back or, or do any of the Verona things, but they suffocated them. And mm. as a result, they managed to get a, a, a 3-1 victory. Berardi obviously had a lot to do with that because he is the player that's constantly up until the 90th minute pressing and, and fucking do, doing this and that and getting all the goals. And I think Sassuolo deserved the victory by the end of it. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So we've got a few teams who are a bit more reliant on certain players than others, right? Yeah. Let's say you have, for example, Udinese and Samardzic. Yeah. Right? Salernitana and Dia, for example. For sure. Of course. Um, for Sassuolo, it's Berardi all the way. Now, Sassuolo 100%. have good players all around. Laurent is a very good player, but when Berardi is there, it's different. He runs the show and everyone accepts it. Season after season after season after season. He's just yes. the, the best... One of the best right-wingers in the league every season. Yes. This year, he's got some competition. Otherwise, he has been for the past five years. Like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when do you think, and do you think, Cranio will play this season? I think he, he will. I, I think he will at, yeah. at some point. But, like, I think he will because Consigli is, isn't showing, like, like clearly he's aged and, and he's yeah. not as good as he used to He'll be. He'll cross into the... Yeah. But what about Cranio? Like, it's, is Cranio still at the level he was at That's when he was how in Cagliari? How was he physically? Exactly. Like last season, we saw him play one game. Now, I know that's not a great case study of where he's at yeah, now. Um, but hey, man, he'll, he'll, he would have been benched by Di Gregorio for a reason. He would have yeah. been benched by Consigli right now for a reason. So I don't know where Cranio is when it comes to his ability. So th- th- that's why I'm unsure, because I think Consiglio should be replaced at some point. I hope we see him soon. Cranio is fantastic. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, so pretty comfortable for Sassuolo overall, playing Hellas Verona out of the water over here. Hellas Verona had their opportunities, they had their moments, but they couldn't quite deal with Sassuolo. And that's it. The next game we're going to be covering is Torino 1 Genoa nil. So this is Torino's first win of the season following a goalless draw to Cagliari and a thrashing in Milan. West Genoa were coming off a 1-0 away victory against Lazio following an open day defeat to Fiorentina. Genoa won their last meeting against Torino in Serie A on the 18th of March 2022. 1-0 where Manolo Portanova scored after a streak of nine games in which the Granata had remained unbeaten against the Grifone where they won 7 and drew two. Um, Torino lost Antonio Sanabria and Kofi Gigi to injury, so deadline day signing Duvan Zapata made his, de- made his debut from the start. Junior Messias, Haps and Voliaccio were out for Genoa, who were fresh off of a 1-0 away victory to Lazio. Now for Torino, it was a 3-4-1 formation with Vanya and Goal on the back line of Ricardo Rodriguez, Bongiorno and Shures. They had Voivod out on the left with Bellanov out on the right and the double pivot of Linetti and Tamez. Vlasic and Ricci started behind the new signing Zapata. Genoa started in a 4-3-2-1 formation with Martinez in Goal on the back line of Sabelli, Bani, Dragusin and Vasquez. They had Strutman, Badelge and Frendrup in the middle with Malinowski and Goodmanson playing behind Retegui. That's looking more like a team over there, slowly, yeah, slowly. it's coming together. Yeah. So, in my opinion, Torino should have been awarded a penalty in the 25th minute after Martinez dangerously came out to collect the ball, kneeing Zapata and the upper back in the process, causing the Colombian some pain. The contact was made before the ball was collected, yet there didn't even seem to be any debate regarding this decision. I didn't even notice any VAR checks or any complaints made to the referee, but... To me, that, that's, a, that's a penalty. The ball was up in the air. The keeper rose with his knee out, banged Zapata on the back, back and right? caught, caught yeah. the ball. I found it quite weird. Um, it was quite a cagey affair um, throughout this entire game. Genoa were impossible to penetrate and it didn't seem like Torino had any answers. However, in the 94th minute, there was a cross-field ball by Illich that found his fellow countryman in Radonjic who was 
not necessarily in a dangerous position, he was out wide. Then he just made this quick work of Hefty taking the ball to the byline. And he just cunts the ball into the roof of the net from an incredibly tight angle. I, the way I describe this goal to people is, have you ever had a pissed off friend at a five aside? Yeah. Who's good at football, like? That's the kind of goal that, that they score. It's like, he's like, ah, none of you guys can do it. Leave it up to me. He just quickly dribbles the defender. The ball was from such a tight angle and he just hoofs it into the roof of the net. Nothing Martinez could have done about it. Nothing anyone could have done about it. Ah, but he's a donkey. I forgot. Yeah. His manager <laughs> thinks he's a donkey. So <laughs> you got, Dude, it was an absolute fuck it moment yeah you know fuck exactly. it i'm him you know yeah, exactly i'm gonna win it for us and it's so sad to see because you can tell hefty when he was brought on mm. probably like keep it tight yeah don't let him skip you play yeah. it safe you know don't don't get dribbled you have three minutes you i'm bringing you on for three it's the 87th minute don't let anyone do you hefty comes on with his fake blonde hair and his preppy appearance overall you know only to get fucking absolutely murked just six minutes later yeah man Poor guy. I mean, there's nothing he could have done about it. I mean, maybe if he didn't press Radonjic too hard over there and he allowed him a little bit of space so he could judge where he's going better because I feel like he put pressure on him instantly, which is why Radonjic was capable of doing him so quickly. Mm So uh, you have to to feel bad for him, but like world-class stuff by Radonjic over there obviously isn't a world-class player, but that was a world-class goal. Um, Genoa gave Torino a very tough time They even had seven shots Two of which were on target um, I felt like when they did get to the final third They moved the ball well over there And they, they had a few moments um, straight. This, they had certain moves that were Straight out of the training ground However mm-hmm. they always At the moment they're just lacking that final Decision making which is essential In top flight football um, But this is a step in the right direction They'll be heartbroken with the late goal um, as they didn't give Torino too many chances aside from a Pellegrini header aside from that and Torino were capable of turning it around but Genoa almost did it man yeah they almost did I'm, we, every week I'm more, I'm more impressed by Albert Goodmanson mm, what the a way player he rounded the keeper there granted he didn't score in the end and he was offside the entire mm-hmm. time anyway but he he looks like quite a nifty player there. And I can't wait for Malinowski to get going because that attacking trident is going to be very interesting. Their midfield's kind of aging, but they showed today that they can just get the job done. They can contain and they can burst and they can attack you. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing that, that I like about them. Um, I would like to see some more personality come through from them because they, they have the players to, to have quite an attacking brand of football. Like mm-hmm. I do want to see Retegi getting more opportunities to put his name on the score sheet, for example. Yeah. I do want to see Malinowski start getting into um, shooting opportunities from, from outside the area. But this is, again, something we will see in time. They're, they're showing Gilad- promising things. Yeah, and Giladino has shown many times that he is willing to adapt to his opponent. So I think these aren't things that he's going to be opposed to. I think we're going to see many different setups at Genoa, and I think eventually it will click. They will find something. That I think so, it. man. I think so. Yeah. I think it's time for your last game, bro. Oh, yes. My last game is Lecce 2 Salernitana nil. Lecce were just too street smart for Salernitana, who were missing Bulae Dia to some last-minute transfer drama, as the team from Salento beat the team from Salerno 2-0. Oof. Yeah, um, Bulae Dia, bro. What's going on there? Huh? 
Apparently, it's it's attitude as well. Yeah, Wolves came in on the last day of the transfer market and tried to deal with Dia. Um, Salernitano were not too happy with this, and uh, their president, um, the Sanchez, or is he the? I believe so. Yeah, they because the team went Wolves went straight to the yeah. player and not to Salernitano, yeah. which is disrespectful, disrespectful right? offer. Yeah, he he called for a for a press conference. This guy immediately. Nothing against the club, but <laughs> Wolves. Nothing against a historic, an important historic club, <laughs> Wolves, Wolverhampton. Um, and then he said, basically, um, well, fuck him. Disrespectful, we will never forget. So it sounded a bit like a threat as well. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So funny that he called the press conference to say that we won't forget this. <laughs> Lecce have won nine of their 19 matches played against Salernitana and Serie A and Serie B. So Whoa. they beat them often. Now let's go. Lecce's formation 4 3 3 as well. Always. We've got Falcone in goal. We've got Gallo as the left back and Jean-Dre as the right back with Baskirotto and Pongracic at the back. Rafia, Ramadani and Kaba were in the middle with Banda out on the left, Amgvist out on the right and Kristovic up front. Jesu Kristovic. <laughs> For Salernitana, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Ochoa in goal, Lovato, Gyomber and Pirola at the back with Cabral out on the right, Brotheric out on the left, Kulibali. And Legowski in the middle, Castanos and Kandreva were playing behind Botheim up front. It's like Quite. someone invented a name for a Polish footballer over here. Huh? Legowski. Legowski. <laughs> there we go. Legowski. Um, Botheim is not quite a striker, is he? No, I, I, I don't understand it. I, don't I, I really it. don't. Um, play Stewart, man. Hey, like you brought him in, or play the other one. There's um, Ikumwezi. He looked pretty good up front. I, I don't know, man, but but if <laughs> Botheim doesn't quite cut it, no, no, no. I I don't like him as a striker at all. Yeah, same. Like I really don't see it. But you know who does look like a striker? The man who scored in the sixth minute, Nikola Kristovic. Yep. What a poacher. He's yep. new, he's young, he's Montenegrin. He scored like 20 goals. He was the top scorer in his division last year, wherever he was playing. I think it was in Ukraine, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, he scored upon entry against Fiorentina. He scored on international duty just yesterday. And now he scored again. Well, he scored before technically, but whatever. He got (laughs) onto the cross, um, which was whipped in by Jean-Dre and headed it perfectly in between two centre-backs. Great, Heather. Into like an unsavable area. He beat Ochoa there and Ochoa is a great goalkeeper. If he could remain injury-free, this guy can be good, man. Yeah, yeah. Super promising striker over here. Purely instinctive. Very exciting talent. And you can see when he was being subbed off, um, the Lecce fans were looking at each other saying like, a bravo, a bravo. Mm. And um, apparently Vucinic, who came up who yeah. through the ranks at Lecce, um, has been texting him as well and has hailed him to be wow. uh, a Mirko very exciting Vucinic, talent. Yeah. Yeah. It was underrated for so long, that guy. He was. Man. Until he joined you. <clears throat> and Roma. Yeah, but he was. I feel like he was a bit underrated at Roma. In the 97th minute, Salernitana never actually managed to penetrate Lecce. No. And in the 97th minute, there was a penalty. It was given after Cabral um, intercepted a long-range shot from Dorgu with his hand in the penalty area. Strefezza confidently stepped up and placed the ball into the net from the penalty spot, sending mm-hmm. Ochoa the wrong way. Um, he was on, out of the starting eleven. Very yeah, interesting, Strefezza. To play... Kristovic. Kristovic, Banda, Ankvist up front. I think I think they like having Strefetsa coming into games. 
is a very good impact sub. Uh-huh. As a creative spark, you know, you might need him to change the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, as a starter, he, he could get figured out because naturally he's, he's a, a smaller player. If you look mm-hmm. at, for example, best two examples I could give is he's kind of similar to Suso and kind of similar to Insigne in that, mm-hmm. in that sense, size, technique yeah. and, and all of that. And those players can't tend to get get figured out because there's one thing that they can do which is cut inside and use their favorite foot yeah. um, so starting with Alan Kvist Bandan having Kristovic up front is great and then getting him on later on when his legs are energetic should allow him to do what he does more successfully then I think it's a good setup yeah I think Bandan and Kvist are too energetic to, to bench yeah. they're, they're great options to start the game with um, Banda this game I feel like should have been sent off it was clear clear second really? yellow if Tomori was sent off then Banda should have definitely been sent off over okay. there. he was so frustrated they kept picking on him uh. <laughs> he's an easy target eh? he's 5 foot 3 Mm. Um, defenders really like to ah, rattle him. Being, it's super tricky as well, you know. Being like five foot three and playing against Sajitano like must be a big nightmare. fucking defenders like, like these guys. You know, you've got Lovato, Gyomber, and Pirola defending <laughs> against you. And I think it was something to that effect that they they basically made fun of his height, and he he looked to get pissed off. He was so rattled. Like, and, and there was a point where he, I think the referees sympathized with him because he had a clear view of the foul. Mm. And he was already on a yellow and he kicked a man. He missed the ball completely and clipped the leg. But the referee showed a human side mm. and didn't send him off. Uh, he was substituted shortly after. The referee was Massimi. Yeah. Um, do you th- do you appreciate that But from the referee or do you deem it to be, you know, if it's a red, it's a red, fuck your feelings. Red, fuck your feelings. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest because let's say Teo Hernandez was getting beaten up all game and he kicked someone out of frustration. Yeah, red card. He's getting a red. But because he's five foot three and is cute, <laughs> then he gets away with it. Yeah. No, you kick someone maliciously um, and it's a red card. Yeah. I think it's Banda as well, the type of person he is. He's, he has very positive energy. You see him, he's always joking and smiling. Mm. So probably, you know, he must have, like, the referee must have realized that. Mm. It's quite unlike him. But yeah. I guess. Yeah. Good move by the by the manager though to, to replace him. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hail once again Lecce's organization over here. They look like they're they've got it figured out. Every time they play a newcomer or a smaller team than them or a team that's meant to be on par with them, they always show that they've got more organization. Yeah, and and, and they're they're looking good, man, Lecce. I mean I'm not gonna say they're, in the top they're, four. They're, they're high up the table. They're in fourth place on seven points, two <laughs> behind league leaders Inter and Milan. Like, um, but what a start! What a start! Yeah, they didn't super, have a they start. didn't have an easy start either. Lecce and they're doing great. I mean, they beat Lazio for fuck's sakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're doing a great job. They are. They're, they're super and they're fun to watch and they're like a team full of superheroes. You know, mm-hmm. you've got honestly the most caricature worthy team you've got Bascarotta who's ridiculously big Banda who's ridiculously small you know you can make like the yeah. Avengers out of their team it would be super cool Gallo's like perfectly human you know what mm. I mean just the, the most normal like un, unspectacular name. player ever but he gets the their job done his name is the Falcon Falcon yeah. they're a cool team man they are a cool team they really are but anyway that's it basically the best Nil nil, the best Italian. Here we are, all Italian. Nil nil since the 2003 Champions League final between Milan and Juve. I've been waiting for this, bro. Bro, are you ready? Let's go. Udinese nil, 
frozen on and ill. So, Udinese racked up their second point of the season following a draw to Salernitana on match day two and a loss to Juve match day one. Frosinone, on the other hand, are now on four points this season in a tough start where they lost to Napoli, defeated Atalanta and now got away with a point against Udinese. The Friulani were still decimated by injuries to Pafundi, Delafeo, Ezibwe, Ebosse, Brenner and Mazina, but Samarzic was solidly back into the squad for the first time since his failed transfer to Inter. The Canarini made numerous signings on deadline day and caused an upset with last week's win over Atalanta, welcoming back goalkeeper Stefano Torati from his ban. Now, the lineups. It was a 3-5-2 formation for Udinese. Silvestri in goal, back line of Cabasele, Bijol and Nguyen Perez. They had Kamara out on the left, Ferreira out on the right, midfield three of Lovrich, Wallace and Samardzic, Tuvan and Luka up front. You've got pace, you've got size, you've got a team. For Frosinone, 4-2-3-1 formation, Turati in goal, backline of Oyono, Monterizi, Romagnoli and Markitsa, Mazzitelli and Berrenchea as the midfield two with Sule out on the right, Jelly out on the left and Harui playing behind Kedira. We've got a team. <laughs> we start things off. Fourth minute, boom. Sule hits the post after Harui's unintentional cross shot bobbled to the far post. Um, but the angle was far too tight for Sule to get the shot on target and he only managed to hit the post. So off to a quick start over here. 13th minute, Turati denied Tuvan's volley at the far post very, very well. Great save by Turati, um, who was suspended in the last game because he was that blasphemous term. Mm. That's all we know about it. So that's already two chances in the fourth minute and 13th minute. Boom, 17th minute. Jelly brought down by Ferreira in the penalty area and the penalty was awarded. VAR review found that Mazzitelli was in an offside position in the build-up to this, so the penalty was cancelled. That's the first half. At the start of the second half, the referee Guida awarded another penalty, this time to Udinese, for what he deemed to be a foul on Lucca by Monterisi. However, following a VAR check, it was evident that Lucca was the, was the one that initially brought the defender down to the ground and lost his footing in the process. In the 50th minute, Frosinone's new signing Romagnoli put the ball into the back of his own net as he slid in following a Tuvan cross. Once again, a VAR check took place and came to the conclusion that the ball was marginally out of play when Tuvan delivered his cross as he got to a long ball to Ferreira, but he didn't actually quite get to it. What a hilarious own goal that would have been. Hey, man. He, he extends his right, but hits the ball with his left. He's a mess. Like. Bro. Four minutes later, 54th minute, Turati, another great save to deny Samardzic's long-range strike. He got down well to deny the Udinese star man. In the 70th minute, and then Silvestri did very well to deny Harrui, who had a clear goal-scoring opportunity. The ball bounced off the goalkeeper and into the path of Kedira, but Cabasele did well to clear the ball off the line and then. Action after action after action, VAR checks, penalties... Um, uh, that, that were cancelled, goals that were cancelled, drama, end-to-end stuff. This was a game and a half between Udinese and Frosinone. What did you make of it? Who do you think deserved to win this game? Go ahead, bro. Definitely exciting. I feel like a draw is a fair result, to be honest, because both teams had their moments. Mm. Um, what do you think of the look, Kakoa? The Luca call being ah, that, that I I think Luca played for it yeah. a lot, and I think he was. You could see he had an armful of the defender's shirt 
Um, yeah, but I feel like these these big players, you, you, they get away. Smaller players get away with hitting larger mm. players very it's, often. Like yeah. you know, like you'll back into Luca hard because he, but he's so big that it's hardly ever called. But I don't hard. think Luca was going down due to any contact with the defender. Um, I think it was a tussle, yeah. and I think Luca went down and took the defender down with him to make yeah, it seem true. a certain way. Now it's always interesting because. That is subjective and the referee, every referee would make a different call over there because it's the human element of a referee. Mm-hmm. Now he went to check VAR. Now initially his decision was, okay, there was significant contact that brought Luca down. He then went to VAR and after seeing that, he could have made the decision to stick with his own decision mm-hmm. because he in the moment could deem something to be significant or not significant. Yeah. It's harder to see it slow down and change your mind when you see it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But he reverted back, clearly because he saw, okay, no, there was no contact and there was Luca bringing him down mm. himself. But mm. I doubt he made the call because it was, the contact was less significant than he initially imagined because that would be a bad call. Fair enough, yes. Um, I'm also surprised by Udinese's style. Like, you've got a player like Luca. Mm. Why is he being played these long balls that he has to chase in wide positions and Thuvan's running into the area and you see Luka whipping the ball to Thuvan. It's meant to be the other way around. It's something pretty basic. No, you look at Thuvan, he can, is very technical. And you look uh-huh. at Luka, okay, granted, Luka's technical, but at the end of the day, he's a tree. He's the tallest striker in the league. Pop him in the box. He's yeah. taller than most defenders. Like, he should be the man at the end of your crosses. And I found that weird. And to be honest, I think it's a it's an execution thing because I think it's common sense too when, yeah. when you're crossing it, cross it uh, yeah. to the it's to, not to the bigger out. to the bigger boy. I think either they haven't quite gotten used to the setup yet, or they haven't gotten used to where their teammates mm-hmm. are at and at what time. And um, but I think they they can grow into it. But yeah, because don't get me wrong, Luca does it well. Mm. He, he's good at chasing these balls out wide. But the thing is, they have no one in the box to convert. No, that that that's the thing. And Udinese. Like, that's one thing I really haven't seen for them yet this season. That, that, that's the ability to score goals. Mm. I don't think they've been creative. Um, and I don't think they have that guy that can capitalize on half chances or, or just a unique goal score. The same, like, they had Beto and De La Feu, um mm. last season and the season before that. De La Feu will be back. Huh? De La Feu will probably be back, but Beto won't be because he's yeah. gone for good off to the Prem. They're calling him the new Drogba <laughs> at everything right now. Relax. You don't God. know about his first touch. Yeah, Literally, you don't notice it when you have more space. <laughs> um, but but this this is a this is a downgrade for Udinese for for the time being. Um, Tovan doesn't have the creativity that Delafeo has in that sense, but he'll yeah. he'll get there. Um, and Luca, I mean, he's no poacher. He's he's a he's more of a reference point. Man. He's yes. a target. You man. play the ball to him, he'll knock the ball down for uh-huh. you. He's not going to score fifteen goals for mm-hmm. you. You know and the fact that they lost Pereira just looks like they're not creative. I feel the chances that they had is is this was a proper scrap. Mm-hmm. I feel like Frosinone, they piled men forward. Odenesa piled men forward, and and there was it was a proper game of football. Mm-hmm. Like the, like tactically, if you were to look at it and break it down, of course each team was set up in a certain way, but. I feel like Frosinone played their adventurous football that they like to play and that allowed Udinese to finally get forward a little bit. They created chances. I don't think it's a plus that they created chances because they were gifted opportunities to have chances and they didn't mm. manage to score. So I think a bit negative over there. Frosinone looked like the Serie A side. Facts. Yeah. 
Udinese looked like the newly promoted team here. Agreed. Oh, but this was such a... T- typically, you look at a nil-nil game and you think that was boring, but this had... Like, the VAR team and the referee had such a busy game over here. It does show that technology is so important in football as well, man. The amount of yeah. things we saw on this match day that could have gone horribly wrong. Of course. Um, like, Lazio would have beaten Napoli 4-1, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and even this, it, it, it would have been unjust to give any of those calls. So... At the end of the day, I think Frozenone could have probably gotten out of a little bit more from this game. I think there was the slightly better side, especially with Sule hitting the post early on, so on and so forth. But nil-nil, both teams will take it and move. Welcome back to our question segment, guys. If you want to leave us a question every week before our episode is released, feel free to DM us on Instagram. Um, or tweet us, um, wherever you want, really. We'll, we'll, we we check all of our socials as well. We try to include all of the questions asked, but our patrons get priority for this segment. So Jake has the questions. Go ahead, me brello. Our first one comes from our boy and patron, Andy. Thank Andy. you for the new microphone, Andy. Thank you, sir. <laughs> he says, was I, slash we, wrong to discount Lazio this year from top four, mainly due to the fact that they lost SMS? Um, I think it's too early. Like, like mm-hmm. I said earlier in the episode, I think it's too early to make any call, to include or exclude anyone from anything at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe some people are, are, are quick <laughs> to exclude Lazio. Um, because they're not maybe one of the more exciting teams that will, mm. that people like to talk about, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we forgot that there might be an answer to the, the loss of SMS, and and maybe it's Kamada. I don't know. We'll yes. we'll wait and see. Um, in our preview, um, we both excluded Lazio from our top four, but yeah. we both said essentially that it's disrespectful to remove them from the top four because at yeah. the end of the day, they lost. One player, granted a very important player. Um, and this is a Sarri team with another year to it. So a Sarri team that should have the style nailed down by now, right? Or should really be nailing it down at, least at the moment. Um, 100%. Yes, so perhaps it would be wrong to rule them out. Uh, they were they finished second quite comfortably last season. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. The next question comes from Kurt on Instagram. Shana hey. Kurt. He says, who scores more goals this season, Duvan or Skamaka? Skamaka. 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 Easy peasy, bro. Mm. Come on. Duvan won't even get 10. <laughs> Probably, man. Probably. Probably. I think. How long till Sanabria starts again? Exactly. Our next question comes from Kieran. Kieran Brady. Hey, Ki. Um, our boy. He always, every week, he asks. Yeah, question. man. Legend. Um, and I'm always confused by the pronunciation because it's Irish. Ah, because it looks like like it Kiarin. Like Kiarin. Uh, uh, exactly. I don't know. Okay, Key, let, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, we're, if we're fucking your name up, let us know, bro. Yes, please. Um, he asks a great question. Best player to go on a night out with? Ooh. Oh, I like this one. In Serie A right now, naturally. In Serie A right now. Um, Theo's always a good shout because he'd be a fucking animal on a night mad. out. I think it'd be a bit too mad. Uh-huh. I think Petania would be a very luxurious one. You'll end up like oh. on a on a fucking rooftop penthouse with a helipad and the helicopter, <laughs> like drinking fucking rosé d'Anjou, like Literally. a thousand it fucking bottles. Restaurants, Petania. Yeah. He loves he loves food and drink. I think that's how it would be with Petania. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I think I would say you know what? Give me 
Give me um, Chichokaputo. Chichokaputo. On a night out. Give me Chichokaputo. It's a classic bar, like, uh, you know. And, and you know what? Bring Destro with us as well. We'll have a proper we night out. One with the oldies. Yeah. yeah. One with the vets. The vets. What about That's you? That's a good question. Um, I'm, but Petania's night out might be a bit too... You know, restauranty, social. Uh, uh, I don't think I'd enjoy it too much. Um, I have to be like a rave goblin. Who would be a rave goblin in Syria? Someone you can like. Like, who could you imagine with strobe lights oh, yeah, on them? A techno and, uh, party, like, like a you know, techno. I don't know. I'm circling to think of one. I know Salem Akers would be great fun. I'm oh sure man, yes, yeah, Salem Akers would be great. Yeah, he'd do anything. I think. Okay, so um, our last question comes from Lady because this has to be under two hours. Um, oh, we've got we've got five minutes left. Yeah, he says hot take: Bastoni is the best centre back in Syria. Um, probably yes. Pro- probably he's up there. He's up there. He's top three, definitely. Mm, Bastoni top three for sure. The best is he the best. That's a question. It's a good one. I think he might be. I think he might be. He might fucking be the best. It's, not a, it's a good take. Fair I enough, like it. Like. Yeah, but Bastoni must be the best center back. I'm in, trying to think Syria. right now of like people, like you have Bremer, okay? He won best defender. Bremer is good. I, I think Milan's <laughs> have, have some work new, to do they're young, like, huh? like Chao is too young to, to make them for that. Antomori yeah. is a bit aggressive. No, He's still a great defender. Rahman is good. Rahman is good. Juan Jesus nowhere near. Um, yeah, man. He's probably the best. Bastoni right. is yeah. the best. I can't completely. Anyone better, to be honest. Yeah. And he might be one of the best record artists in the league. Well, literally, he's been literally. Lately. I think there are some good underrated ones in Scalvini and Bongiorno. Again, I always talk about these two. I think they're the future. Um, but yeah, Bastoni is a step ahead of them. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We have been your hosts, Jake. And Matt. And I'm sorry this episode was late, but thank you very much for waiting and thank you if you've made it this far. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We'll see you all next week. Ciao, ciao.